this thing. Hmm. Yeah, shut up. The podcast is starting. There you go. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Celluloid Breakdown. It's the show where we watch old movies and, you know, break them down. I've been thinking of a tagline, Sean. I don't think that's good enough, but no, I'll, I'll find something better. We break things down. Um, so next to me, that guy you just heard talking was Sean Faw. Sean Faw. I am Joey Bonnier, and we have a special guest today, Mr. Graham Tallman. His second appearance, re- returning champion. All right. <laughs> don't sound so excited. Very uh, Graham, so what did we watch? What movie? We watched The Treasure of Sierra Madre, starring mm-hmm. uh, Humphrey Bogart by John Huston, based mm-hmm. on a book. Um, still amazing movie. Love this movie. Yeah. Let's go right into your first impressions. You just loved it? First impressions. I think... Yeah, I think that uh, you know it's a uh, a character movie disguised as a treasure hunt movie. Okay, right. So it's like uh, it's got sort of adventure, but really what it's about is like the dark heart of man, right? And it's kind of doing that. So I I think it's just a timeless sort of parable in that sense. That's like one of the great things about it. Um, and then just the fact that it's like this one of the greatest dramatizations of greed, I think, <laughs> and which is why it's sort of been so influential, like. Um, Breaking Bad, and I don't know if he's have you seen the movie Shallow Grave? No, guy, it's like the guy who did who, did, who directed Train Spotting the uh, oh uh, guy shoot no no, no um, uh, he also uh, did um, Slumdog Millionaire yeah a- anyway so that was his, his first movie Danny. sort of like this a simple plan Sam Raimi you know uses this as a reference um, all uh, there will be blood right so all of these it is Danny Boyle. Danny Boyle. So, so all of these modern movies about greed, I think, all go back to this one. Like this is, I, I guess, there was one before this in 1934 called Greed, <laughs> uh, uh, which was a silent film, which is also great, but it's like four hours long. So okay. this is a nice modernized version. It is. Um, but uh, I just think it it still holds the test of time for that. I love I love the way that the story is put together and and. Uh, just the sort of parable nature of it, watching this guy sort of descend into madness because of his moral decay. Yeah. You know? For sure. Great. Sean, how, what'd you kind of feel about this movie? Um, I thought it was really enjoyable. I laughed a lot. Uh, the characters were um, fun, a little bit, um, I don't know, uh, maybe unrealistic, cartoony caricatures of characters, but I enjoyed watching them and I enjoyed kind of like... Um, I guess, predicting where they were going to go. And even though it was predict, kind of predictable, it was fun to watch it play out. Yeah, I agree. Um, it was fun to be with these characters. Yeah. You kind of said, yeah. even the when Bogart's getting crazy and, and annoying. And dick. And yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> He's still fun to be around. And these characters, are you, you grow on them. Um, even the... Uh, the badges guy, you know, yeah, the yeah. bandito. You just seeing him yeah. again. I'm like, ah, oh, it's bandito guy again. <laughs> I, I didn't realize that that was from this movie, the badges. We ain't got no stinking badges. Oh, yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, so it's it was just a fun ride. Um, I got a lot of Lord of the Rings vibes hmm. Uh, hmm. because it was all about like how the ring power corrupts mm. green, right, gold, right, right. you know, whatever yeah. you want to say. Right. Um, and um, and it was very adventure Like you said, I, th- I totally yeah. got that. It was like a journey movie but along the way we got these parables about well imagery wise i got a lot of indiana jones like absolutely well the uh, humphrey uh, the hat was Mm. is is indiana jones and then uh the humphrey when they were looking for the modern indiana jones they're like oh who would we cast we got to find a young humphrey bogart so it's Mm. it's literally right out of this movie for sure makes sense yeah 
All right, so let's go through the uh, the basic plot and story of the film. So I'll I'll just start us off, Sean. You can kind of fill me in if you want. Uh, or do you want to start? Well, yeah, I mean, it was uh, it's a pretty simple story. I mean, we start out with a few Americans that are down on their luck in Mexico, uh, basically just kind of begging around town. Um, they kind of get random jobs and get hosed and, you know, are just kind of, we see them just basically being bums and getting screwed. Okay, uh, so let's just be clear. It's Humphrey Bogart and uh, Curtin. What's his name? Curtin? Mm-hmm. The other dude? Curtin, yeah. Yeah, the two, they're, I'm just saying the two panhandlers. I'm sorry, continue. Okay. Just try to add. Good job. Make <laughs> sure that we knew who the characters. Okay. It's two dudes. I give a fuck. You said to speed it up, man. I tried to fucking speed it up, and then you're all yelling at Apologies. me to slow down and fucking throw shit in my train tracks. God damn it. So we got these two guys that were uh, not doing too well. They're hanging out in some like hostile type situation where they're on some cots for 50 pence or 50 pesos. pesos. 50 Same. pence. Wrong country. I don't know. It's not America. What do I know? So uh, they meet this old dude who's talking up uh, prospecting and gold mining and how much money he's made in the past and how he just needs some partners. And so they decide to partner up with him. Luckily, they uh, shake down the guy that screwed him out of money and they happen to win a lottery. So they have just enough money to buy the supplies they need. They set out on their adventure, mine a bunch of gold and uh, hijinks ensue. They get, uh, uh, you know, kind of a lot of troubles along the way, but mostly the troubles are internal. There's a lot of um, uh, interactions with some banditos and some hiding and whatnot, but the, the majority of it comes from them just kind of facing greed among themselves and what they would do with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we finally get to a point where uh, at the end of the movie, everything is up in smoke and everyone laughs. Dust in the wind. Indeed. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think you're right. There's not a lot of external forces. I mean, there are some, there's totally, you know, Mr. Cody and the banditos come, but most of it is the pressure between the three guys, the three prospectors. Yeah. Um, and let's, let's talk about that because, you know, it, it, at, let's just say, um, it is an adventure story. How does it hold up as an adventure story? Uh, what do you think, Graham? Would you, if you just look at it like that? Well, I, I sort of look at it like that, but with character stuff. So if it's like a movie where they're all driving towards a single treasure, but along the way you learn about the characters, that's like a quintessential MacGuffin, right? Yeah. So it's like that whole idea, I, I guess, my, I think my the all-time sort of textbook MacGuffin would be The Maltese Falcon, which is John Huston's previous movie with Humphrey mm. Bogart. But I feel like this is another great one. So if the definition of MacGuffin is uh, a cipher that, uh, that is something that ha- is essentially meaningless in the end, but that everyone wants it in along, yeah. and along the way you learn who they are. Yeah. Um, so for that element, I think that it just it just works really well. The gold. Yeah. It's all about the gold. And that's how it's it literally dust in the wind at the yeah. end, right? Yeah. It's literally well, nothing. I, I don't even think I would consider this an adventure movie. I mean, there's a couple of shootouts, but like on its uh, as a whole, it is, you know. Well, to me, it's like they're they're going on a journey to the mountain to get to get the treasure and then come back, you know, and as conquered heroes. Right, right. But it's not like 
it's not about the adventure. It's more about the camping. You know, when I think adventure movie, I think of like, you know, uh, uh, swashbuckling like through the jungle. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they like, tr- I think they tried to do some of that. It didn't, maybe it didn't succeed on, on that level. I think that's part, maybe why, because it, it has all these other character development stuff and other different scenes that you didn't like, like the medicine man scene, although it did... I love I just, it, but, no, no, the medicine. Okay, so to oh, it, clarify. Oh no, I understand. <laughs> At first, he thought it didn't. It was a red yeah, herring, I, but it I, I screamed out in the middle of this movie, "Why the fuck does this scene exist?" Because the uh, when he was treating the kid, it just looked like random bullshit, and it actually turned out to be random bullshit, and he was kind of proud of it. But <laughs> it was, it, it just seemed like so out of place. Like especially when he came back and everything was still there. I assume the reason that they took him away was mm-hmm. that you know they could steal his money at that point but i don't know it, it it really seemed out of place until it did pay off in the end that that was like basically his retirement plan okay um let's talk about the greed because that seems to be the main theme and you know the, the whole thrust of the movie um it absolutely corrupts they even kind of tell you that i mean there's a lot of nail on the head kind of stuff. Um, I don't know, Graham, were you bothered by any of that where they're kind of like, hey, listen up, we're going to tell you the moral of the story yeah, now. they do that a few times, but you kind of, I, I kind of like that there's that, it, it's a real tug and pull between the, the dark side and the light side in this movie. And so you kind of, I don't know. You kind of have to say it out loud that, you know, this is, this is where you're, yeah. you're, you know, it's like, this is what, uh, what do they say? It's like, this is what uh, gold does to men's souls, yeah. right? Which is like, be careful, beware. It's going to turn you into something you're not. And then you have to sort of have the, the counterpoint to that, which is sort of this sort of spiritual, mystical. Not dirty, baby. Not dirty at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I do agree about the spiritual and the mystical. It has fantasy elements. Right. Um, I mentioned Gandalf as the wise wizard. He obviously has some sort of, well, not really, but mystical powers, you know, healing that kid. Yeah. Uh, he gives them weapons. He gives them, you know, basically supplies, yeah. you know. He's also the intermediary. He's the only one that speaks Spanish. Right. So right. when they That's encounter right. the the random, uh, uh, or the, the people that are, are looking for someone to help the boy, uh, he's the only one that kind of knows the ritual of like sit down and exchange tobacco for no reason right. whatsoever. And, you know. Yeah, you're right. He's, and, yeah, he knows all the, yeah. And he's really got this, I think the spirituality of the movie is like he's got this holistic feel about him so he's like if you take something from the earth you must return it to the earth right and then if he's like you must give gratitude to the earth this mountain that gave us this gold and so he's the one who has this spiritual connection to nature and he's like I don't know what you call it if you call it God or if you call it nature right so he's very sort of this naturalistic spiritual thing so Mm -hmm. the fact that he becomes a medicine man like that's his arc right he goes from like a not so trustworthy uh old prospector to a, literally the spiritual center of a village, the medicine man, right. which I, I, I don't know. It's, it's pretty cool. Well, he says they're, they're born, not made. So. Right. I got right. a lot of Eastern religion vibes, Confucianism, if you will, or, you know, just very st- or stoicism maybe. Mm, Cause right. at the end, right. Honestly, nothing happens. They, I right. mean, they go on this journey and then they lose all the gold and it's literally nothing. And mm-hmm. he's all laughing about it and just like, yeah, yeah, I'm at peace with my world. And, you know, I, did, I didn't really gain anything. I didn't really lose anything. It's very, um, I don't know, yin and yang. It's very interesting. I meditative in that sense, I think. It is spiritual. It's, it's like they went on a journey and they learned something but they gained yeah. physically nothing. It's, it's very Joseph Conrad, right? They go into like the heart of darkness, but <laughs> it, you either come out like a, a better, more spiritual man mm-hmm. or you you die, you become insane due to lack of moral 
code, yeah. more lack of moral ethics and no, no soul or something like that. So you got both characters. One character does one, one character does the other. And yeah. Uh, talking about those characters, let's talk about Humphrey. Um, he's amazing. And I was fascinated with him. Even just ending this movie, I was thinking about him as a hero. And I was thinking, one, just apart from thinking about Humphrey Bogart, which is really tough to uh, divide him from the act, the character, because right. I, I like him. He, like, just looking at him, I like him. I'm drawn to him. I, I want to like him. But he's really just the villain. He's not even an antihero right. to me. Like, he doesn't even seem, I don't know, do you see him a villain or an antihero? Well, I think he's got almost zero redeemable qualities, right? So <sighs> yeah, even, even from the beginning. He's charming. He's charming because he's mm. Humphrey Bogart. That's that's yeah. about it, right? But he's not. He's he. The, one of the first scenes we see him in, he's like trash talking this kid, right? <laughs> he's trying to beat up. He throws water in this kid's face, that's and awesome. this kid, and not only that, <laughs> yeah, and then when the kid comes back with his winning lottery ticket, yeah. he's still like, "Get out of here, kid!" Right? <laughs> so, like, there's not there's not much You're that right, you yeah. care about with this character right from the start. Where I think that the the movies that were influenced by him yeah. later, like Breaking Bad, like they spend so much effort to make sure that we care mm. about that character before they descend into their madness whereas this guy I mean is almost nothing right except he's like funny and cynical and we're yeah. kind of like he's entertaining to watch we're only yeah. left with his wit and his bogartiness I think that's the key I really am just looking at him as Humphrey Bogart from all the other movies maybe I've seen him in and clips I've seen him in and thinking about him in a positive way yeah, I guess I just don't have that connection with him. So to me, he was the character. He wasn't Humphrey. So I, I, you know, I was able to kind of enjoy this movie for what it was presented rather than the kind of stars that were in it. Um, that, that's something I have a huge problem with with today's movies is that I often go to the theater and I just see, you know, uh, oh, what was the, um, uh, is it? Mother was Brooklyn. Uh, you know, you just see Alec Baldwin on screen. You just see fucking Bruce Willis on screen. You don't see the characters. Whereas with this, I didn't have that issue. Mm. Um, Sean, you said you haven't seen this before, right? Right. Um, did you see his his uh, his downfall coming, him breaking bad, Humphrey Bogart? <laughs> did you see it coming? Um, yes, but I, I kind of anticipated more um, all around. So I didn't, I definitely didn't think that the other two would have a, uh, I wouldn't say it was a happy ending, but it was, you know, a still, you know, they both kind of are okay at the yeah, end. It's positive. Um, I definitely thought there would have been a little bit more trauma all around. What about you? Well, I mean, I've obviously seen this before. Yeah, yeah I've seen it before. I was just trying to think of like what mo sort of more modern movie that you could follow the structure where we follow this character. We think Dobbs is the protagonist, right? Yeah. We follow him along this journey and then he descends into madness. And so our allegiances shift totally. kind of three quarters of the way through to these other characters. And then your main character dies, yeah, right? Spoiler weird. alert. I was, <laughs> I was say surprised that, it, that I didn't right? I was yeah. very surprised. Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to think of like a more modern movie in a, um, another uh, director who says this is his fourth all-time favorite movie, Stanley Kubrick. Hmm. So if you look at The Shining... Right, uh, yeah. you have a father who's not really lovable. He's an alcoholic, but it, we're following him on his journey. But as he descends into madness, our allegiance shift to the to the wife and the kid, and then he actually dies. Right, mm -hmm. so it, it it's is the closest I could think of to um, a protagonist that we follow that becomes the antagonist along the way. It's and amazing. Then our, the, 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 other characters. It's, uh, that's exactly right. He's yeah. a protagonist who becomes an antagonist yeah. and he breaks bad. And yeah. my gut was to say Joker, but even thinking it through, it doesn't, it, it doesn't quite even do that. 
I think that's the one trouble I had with this film. And even then, it's a very slight nitpick is that it didn't have enough transition from good to bad with, yeah, with him. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it like, and I, that's not really fair because it's a movie. And like, mm-hmm. when I think about, you know, Walt in Breaking Bad, right. it's five yes. seasons. Right. It's a lot of episodes. You have a lot of subtleties and nuances. Well, I do think this movie was pretty jumpy in general. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, when uh, Hobbes was talking about having to put the earth back and heal the mountain and whatnot. I totally thought there was going to be a thing there, but it was really just like yeah. a throwaway of him character. Like they didn't even show them trying to take anything down or yeah. fix the mountain at all. It's he says that, and the next thing is they're packing up. Like yeah. it's it's almost like that didn't even need to be a moment. But it, well, it, yeah, you're right. It was simply for his character yeah. well, to show him being yeah. holistic. But it, it I agree. I thought it was going to lead to some plot point too. It, but you know, it was it was interesting. It I, I do think though that when I was watching, I was like, "Oh, this writer must have experienced uh, digging for gold because he knew every little detail of mm. what the threats are, what the problems are. You know, what are the you could f- fall into fool's gold. You can mm-hmm. do all these different things." And then I was like, with the characters, I was like, "I don't think he knew that as well. Like, it wasn't as clear to me that he could, he knew what it was like for a character to descend into madness on mm. this journey." Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Although I don't know John Huston's life, it seems like he's had a crazy life so right. he should and this is 48 so he went to world war ii um and he was changed supposedly after mm. world war ii I, I think he like completely went took different direction and made with darker movies whatever mm. um and he's you know he's famous for making some of those propaganda films if you've seen the four came back or five came back i think mm. five came back mm. from uh i think it's netflix documentary about the the propaganda films anyways it's very good but i think he he's an interesting character obviously in himself because he puts himself in the movie um, right his Hitchcock and I, moment. And I was thinking about it and I don't really, I can't really put my finger on why, why he decided to be that character or what that character's greater symbolism is. Which the, character was he? The, uh, the rich American in the beginning who gives pesos to Humphrey Bogart. Okay. Gets his shoe shines, shoe shined. And, but he makes some really big proclamations. I'm never going to help you again. Um, right. I don't know. I was, I was just digging, digging, digging to see if I could think anything there. But I think there's a lot of, I don't know. There's a lot of interesting characters too, because we we have we've simply been talking about Humphrey Bogart this whole time too. We haven't even talked about Walter Houston, right. uh, old prospect, John's dad. Yeah, and they, the fact that he directed his dad is pretty cool. Um, I don't know. What did you get? What did Sean? What did you think of uh, Walter Houston's performance? Um, Howard in a dialogue heavy movie, he was doing some heavy lifting. Like, you know, this was one of the few movies where we didn't really even have time to make witty commentary. We literally had to press pause in order to, like, ask each other questions. Most of the time, there's, like, some dead space between dialogue. Honestly, I was very close to asking you to put the subtitles on. Yeah. Because Mm. he was tough to understand. I mean, I got it, but I had to really focus. And the the sound itself isn't. Yeah. Well, Bogart's talking through clenched teeth half the time. So like he's just muttering the most of the time. And then the other guy's talking so fucking fast. Um, it, it, it is a, yeah, I mean, but they were, it was enjoyable. Like I liked watching him spin a yarn and just kind of rack and tear and mm-hmm. chew up space or chew up scenery. I, I loved him. I thought he was great. I was expecting the blazing saddles type, you mm-hmm. know, the, the parody of him where yeah. you couldn't understand every third word. Right. It wasn't quite that bad. Right. Um, that but- boy loves his beans though. <laughs> that was he so knows great. He knows the Irish jig. He knows everything. He really yeah. is. He's a renaissance man. He's not yeah. a medicine man. He knows everything. Yeah. 
I mean, his his hand technique, his lifting arm technique, his tequila in the mouth technique, That's as true. you said. That's true. He really knows it all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what did you think about Curtin? This was an interesting one. Because um, he's a, yeah, he's the third spoke of this wheel, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I thought he was a little bit lacking, to yeah. be honest, just as an acting performance. Yeah, the his character, character is, is the most bland. It yeah. has the least interesting arc. He's sort of the one in the middle of the road mm-hmm. who he kind of goes one way and then the other within scenes. Uh, he he, was, he's sort of the everyman, I guess, right? Yeah, I but would say wishing, that, but usually the everyman is like our latch to oh, the Oh, yeah, movie. for sure, exactly. But he wasn't. Right, no, he was too pale, too bland. Yeah. Too bland, too vanilla. Yeah. And I wasn't sure if he was supposed to be breaking bad a little bit when he went out in the middle of the night and put the... And what was he doing? He was digging for the, the bags of gold? He was looking for... I forgot. I, I think they I were all just there. checking their own stashes yeah. to make sure no one paranoid. else fucked with their shit. Oh, okay. He did have his weird moment of breaking, though, when fucking uh, the mine collapsed on, right. on, uh, on Humphrey, and he was kind of had that little indecision moment of whether or not to actually go in and help him out. Okay, so they were trying to humanize him there. I forgot about that. Yeah, that little hesitation. Yeah. Um, just, yeah. I, I, I don't know. But I, could the movie have worked, though, with just two actors in the mountains looking for gold? It, it kind of needed to be three, didn't sure. it? Like, it, I, I understand why his character's there, but I just don't think he's as fleshed out and as exactly. interesting as the other ones. Yeah. Honestly, I think a better actor might have done a better job. Could be. It could be. They might have overshadowed Humphrey's performance, but... I right. definitely noticed a lacking in his performance, especially in the scenes when he's with the other two. Yeah. Um, I don't not, know if he's like, just... noticeably bad. He's no, no, just... no. It's just, it, it, just... That's the thing. Like when he was like uh, either alone or just with one or the other, it didn't seem to stand out as much. And he seemed like a, just a fine actor. But when he, I think it was just being in the scene with the other two, like yeah. they just kind of both outshined him so right. much that, you know, a normal actor wasn't holding the, yeah. you know. Even the way he was shot, though, like Humphrey Bogart has so many cool shots oh where God. he's starting to go crazy and like there's the fire <sighs> flickering off of his face and there's like these low angles on him. And, it's like and he had like it that. in his rider. It's like, I, <laughs> yeah, I exactly. need five amazing close-ups exactly. with this specific lighting. Yeah. And then I think that a lot of the symbolic shots, like Howard, like the uh, older guy, he had a lot of the more symbolic shots, like where they shook hands in front of him and yeah. he was in the background. So even the director was aware that they were more integral to the story. Yeah. And then Kurt, had, uh, the, he just had no cool shots. Yeah. He was just always like, like, He's a weenie. He's like he's a, a, weenie. a little noodle. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously he did the right thing. Uh, so he's, you know, I don't understand how the hell he crawled like that. that that's another thing we got to get to. All right. All right. <laughs> By the way, that's his Maybe name. He was playing he was Maybe he was playing possum. Maybe he was playing possum. How did he miss him? Wait, he was lying on the ground. Uh, okay. Humphrey Bogart takes two shots. Shoulder. At and- a stationary target and hits him in the shoulder. And It was night. He was delirious. Okay, yeah. Fine. I'll buy it. Nine, what was it? Ninety percent of yeah, that's what, someone ninety percent of shots don't work in a gunfight. That's a shootout. Yeah, okay. They were tired. You're right. They were, might have been delirious. That's that's good. They they were really up for like days. That's a good excuse. Yeah. It could be argued he didn't actually want to kill him. Okay, could be. That's true. Could that's be. a good point. They were yeah. kind of dancing around it a lot. You're right. They were. They were. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, okay, so let's talk about it's a little of the historical context. Um, I mean, this is 48, so it's it's very early. Uh, it's I don't know. It's not quite a Western, which is interesting. Um, it's, it's historical for a lot of reasons. I think it's very- Is influent. it a Mexican? Sure, a Mexican Western, is it, um, if you will. Yeah, so a, I, lot of, a lot of Westerns what? take place in Mexico. That's yeah, yeah. Movie. No, I just, for some reason, like, 
Western has a very specific connotation as far as movie genre to me. That is, you is, know, does this fit the genre to you? No, um, there were horses, but not enough, and not <laughs> enough riding. There's guns. There were guns, but not on horseback and not with the right hats. There was a train robbery. I think I don't know why I don't think this is a western, but like it had like those yeah. elements of the math, but it just yeah. didn't have that like that yeah. western I grind. Think that's absolutely true. I think I, it has the, the mise en scène, if you will, of a western or the the little elements, the, but it, yeah. the parts, yeah. but it didn't quite have the. I think adventure. Whole. I think it's an adventure. Yeah, that. yeah, it's an adventure, a moral adventure. It's like a, par- a parable. <laughs> yeah. it felt very it's, biblical. It, is a it felt it is a very yeah. like this is For Cain sure. and Abel with, you know, with, with their trusty wizard. That, that's not a thing, by the way. <laughs> what just, fucking Torah that? were you? Reading? <laughs> yeah, sounds I, cool though. I failed all my Bible classes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I I wouldn't have if that were the story. <laughs> yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gandalf shows up yeah. in Genesis. I don't know, man. Some of those stories are pretty crazy as it is. That's true. That's true too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but this is very influential, Graham. Do you think uh, like it's influencing a lot of adventure movies? What do, what do you think? Well, I I, I think I, I mentioned a few. So a simple plan you didn't, for sure mm-hmm. comes yeah. to mind, right? So it's like it's, you just you just like swap out like the gold for Such the new thing, movie. right? Underrated so it, a simple plan is just dollars, cash, yeah. cash, right? Shallow grave is a is a is a, a um, suitcase full of cash that they find. Uh, apparently, Oliver Stone was going to like remake it with drugs instead of. Gold. Hmm. Um, and then, Sounds like something you do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Spielberg, you know. So I, I feel like it, for all all of those, it's been so influential for that that sort of antihero character, or the character that descends into madness. I, I mean, Apocalypse Now is even yeah. sim- similar in some way, right? Where uh, it's not really the end that matters; it's the journey that, like, you test yourself and you find out your true metal and you find out what kind of a man you really are. You know. Um, so I think it's incredibly influential on in that. And no, what was the other one? Uh, there will be blood. Was mm-hmm. the other one where um, barely P.T. Anderson would watch this like every night before sleep. Or I think one thing I for, I mentioned Lord of the Rings, but I I think one thing we forget is that Frodo at the end goes breaks bad. We kind of forget that. Ah, uh, true. He takes mm. the ring and he says, "This the... ring is mine," mm. and puts it on. The right. only reason that ring is destroyed is because Gollum Friendship. jumps on him, bites off his fucking finger, uh-huh. and then falls into the lava. Huh. So he doesn't succeed. Like the, our hero Frodo is kind of bad. I mean, not bad, but he doesn't quite do it his quest. Yeah, he doesn't overcome his fucking right. And it takes Sam and and you know and luck a little bit to do it. So you know, it, it's very much like now. Obviously, Lord of the Rings isn't quite as dark as this, you know. But I do. I don't know, it's interesting. I get a lot of those vibes because you have to go on that journey. I mean, really, I think Lord of the Rings is darker than this. How so? Um, I mean, just like. You might be right in certain moments, by the way. I, I didn't feel that this was that dark. Like, even though it is about Descent into Madness, it didn't feel like a dark portrayal of Descent into Madness. It was almost more of a comic portrayal of that yeah. insanity. That's true. I mean, it's, it's, I think that's Hayes Code stuff too, I think, a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not seeing him do... We're not seeing his physicality of his violence so much. We're not, we didn't watch him shoot the guy, um, which would have been... We never saw him get chopped up. We saw him get chopped up. Um, but you're right, I think, to an extent. Um, we did see the Gila monster get killed. Oh, the tail. It's upsetting. I, you know, why do I have to treat animals so poorly in all these old movies? Just, you know, even the Gila monster. We yeah. were given dominion over the beast. It's true. It corrupts. The absolute power corrupts, Sean. Yeah. All right. So I think this is a tale as old as time. We've kind of talked about that. 
Why you? Are you gonna sing it? I was going to sing Go it. Go for it. But no, come on, guys. Fightful <laughs> goes southwest. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. Uh, since we're kind of talking about the characters, let's go right to a cast it today. I, I think we, let's Ooh, skip right to it because uh. we're talking about these actors and maybe, you know, the specific character or types of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sean, what do you think? Do you have any kind of ideas here? <sighs> it's going to be really hard to pull off and really hard to like confine him. But if you can tolerate the, the workload... Gary Busey is Howard. Oh, that's that's great casting. No, 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 Let's see. Um, oh shit! I was thinking Michael Fassbender for Bogart. Oh, that's cool. Mm. I like him a I lot. Like I feel like he I could like kind that. of do that descent into madness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was almost thinking uh, John Hamm. Okay. Uh, okay, I think he could may, maybe do it. Lighter yeah. version of that. I, yeah. I haven't seen him come close to that that madness he's very, descent. Very charming and like nice. I can't see him with like unshaven and right, right. But I think he. I think most of the movie he would definitely pull off, especially like the uh, bumming around as an American in Mexico yeah, sort of charming thing. Absolutely. Like yeah. Yeah. And what do you got? I had uh, for Dobbs. I mean, I had, I had Jeremy Renner. Right. Hmm. So okay. maybe seeing him go a little crazy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. For the old guy, I was like Morgan Freeman because why not? It's just <laughs> can't, <laughs> it, can't any movie yeah, make yeah, it yeah. better with Morgan Freeman. It's true. Plug him in. That's, yeah. It's like an Emma. Yeah, <laughs> yeah one of the Emmas. Um, I guess uh, no real other big parts we kind of have to cast. Cody, I mean, whoever, you know, maybe a Matt Damon. Who is Cody? You know, the, the guy, the Texan who came in. Oh, God. Oh, well, what about Curtin, though? What yeah. about curtain? Oh, we didn't do curtain. curtain. I'm sorry. You're right. Who? I, I didn't really. Yeah, generic vanilla white guy. I, yeah. You know. yeah. Rob Schneider. Not Rob Schneider. Schneider. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> it, yeah, that's a good one. No, but I said earlier I really should pick someone because I said earlier if this was cast better, it would be a better yeah, part. Right. Yeah. Um, give it to Christian Bale. You know, Christian Bale. I was I, I was gonna say, has mm. Bradley Cooper been mentioned this sure. uh, episode? Yeah. Is it? <laughs> He'll work. Yeah. He'll work. Yeah. He's the average white guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Matt Damon might work. Yeah, no, I think Matt Damon is the uh, the other. That could good, be good. The, yeah. the new prospector, the fourth oh, guy Cody. that comes mm. in, Cody. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, mm. I can see that. Um, oh, I don't want to cast. Um, who, who should we cast for uh, Bandito? I want Jimmy Smith. We don't need no sneaky oh. badges. That guy, Jimmy Smith, Luis Guzman, Luis Guzman, Trejo. Uh, Trejo's a little on the nose. <laughs> well, who doesn't love Trey Hill? So, he's such a great guy, too. I've listened to him on podcasts, too. He's so fascinating. Hmm. There's a podcast interview where he talked about Con Air, and they asked him, with all the crazy people on there, Con, the health set of Con Air, who's the craziest? And he goes, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Chad Cusack. I don't like him. There's something in his eyes. He's crazy. <laughs> it's amazing. All I right. love that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you hang out with Piven that long, you're fucking... Yeah, well, it could have been anyone. You know, it could have been uh, Malkovich was on that set. True. You know, mm. Buscemi. Yep. Mm. Obviously, Nicolas Cage. But no, Cusack was the weird one. Was, you yeah. know what? Maybe it's just because everyone else is so goddamn weird. The one normal guy. It's like that scene in uh, fucking Men in Black when he's in the training and they have all the monsters and he's supposed to shoot all the monsters and he shoots the little girl carrying the books. I see. He's like, why is the little girl carrying the books? What's wrong by all these? So, yeah. yeah, he picks the, the one yeah. not yeah. like the rest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, I think it's uh, time to break up this tension with a game. Uh-oh. Sean, Uh-oh. are you ready for your game? I guess. Do I have a thing I can do? This? Yeah. Oh, gentlemen, are you ready for the most wondrously fabulous game to ever be thrust forth from the bowels of the internet? I bring you Guess the Gross, the only game where I look up numbers and give you log lines, and then we t- talk about we'll things and later. stuff and little things. So today we're going to be doing movies about gold. Oh, um, some good ones. I bet. Okay. Yeah. Well, don't hold your hopes. <laughs> uh, so where civilization ends, their journey begins in 1991, directed by Ronald Kleiser. We have White Fang. White Fang. White Fang. I know this is about gold. Hmm. It's about prospectors. Huh. That's about the, the, the coyote. He's like a kid. Ki- wolf. wolf. Yeah, he's a Yukon gold hunter. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, we had to guess. Wait, what year is this show? Ninety-one. Uh, Ninety-one. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna go with. Uh, this one stars Jed as White Fang, uh, Ethan Hawke. Duh. Ethan Hawke. He's yeah. he's box office gold. It's <laughs> <laughs> not that kind of gold, Graham. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Do I so, guess first? Or you guess first? Uh, I I'll guess. I'm gonna say forty. Forty million dollars. Oh man, I went. I went 10. 10. Yeah, you're probably right. I never even knew the movie. I have movie. no idea this is a movie I either. <laughs> I, I know the book. I don't know the movie. <laughs> well, you should have had a little more faith in it. This one came in at $34 million. Oh, okay. You're good at this Joey game. You just killed me. I'm not that. usually good. Well, compared to me, we'll see. you're like <laughs> the, the genius of the. All right, gentlemen, next up on the list. Explorer is her middle name. In ni- 2019, directed by James Bobbin, we have Dora and the Lost City of Gold. That's true. That just came out <laughs> like a minute ago. Yeah. Wow. A lot of Dora fans. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dora the Explorer. How much did it make in 2019, Graham? <sighs> $70 million. $70 million, Joey. Cien. What? <laughs> Spanish for 100, Sean. Jesus Christ. $100 million. And just for that, I'm going to deduct five points from Joey. And <laughs> Graham is going to win. This one came in at $60 million. Yes. All right, gentlemen, next up on the list. They're back in the saddle. Uh, I don't think I exclamated that correctly. They're back in the saddle. No. Eh, I like the first better. All right, we'll take two. Uh, 1994, directed by Paul Weiland. We have City Slickers 2, The Legend <laughs> of Curly's Gold. ha, ha, ha. All City right. Slickers 1, that, that's, that's a good one. That is a I never saw City Slickers. City Slickers 2 is... A must serv- miss. No, it's serviceable. It's, it's mm. ser- you know, if, if you enjoyed the characters from the first, spending more time with them is not the worst thing in the world. Mm. This one stars Billy Crystal and Daniel Stern and John Lovitz and Jack Palance. And uh, Jack no one Palance. else we care about. Daniel so- Stern could have been a curtain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Daniel Stern. Call. <laughs> I like it. What's your number? I got yeah. my number. Okay. Right. Joey, Let's what's that it. number? $65 million. $65 million in Graham. I went 55. 55. Ah. Graham ah. takes it away again. Yeah. This one came at $43 million. I bet the first one made over 100 though. Shitty sequel. Damn. Well, I'm allowed. <laughs> next up on the list, the greatest adventure history has ever revealed in 2007, directed by Tim Turtletub, National Treasure, mm-hmm. Book of Secrets. Mm-hmm. Is that John Turtletub's brother, little brother? Because John Turtletub, didn't he direct the first one? I have no I idea. I didn't know there was two of them. 
I've never There's seen National it. Treasure Two and then National Turtle Treasure Two. <laughs> 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 All right. I uh, apologize for that horrible no, joke. No, that was that was worth the entire show. Uh, this one stars Nicolas Cage and John Voight and Helen Mirren and Ed Harris and Harvey Keitel and uh, Ty Burrell. Hey, all right. Uh, let's see here. So, Joey, what did National Treasure Book of Secrets make in 2007? Ninety-five okay. million dollars, says Joey. I'm going. And Graham. I'm going 125. 125. I should have just gone 91. Uh, well, you're supposed to write it down so you can't prices okay. right me. Okay, <laughs> got it, got it. Okay, got it. Neither of you had anywhere near enough faith in this movie. It came in at 219. Jesus, I, I was going to go. Trump was a huge hit. <laughs> yeah, this is a huge hit. God damn. I thought maybe because it was the second one, but again. All right, yeah. gentlemen, last up on the list, which doesn't matter anyways, because Graham already beat you, but for posterity's sake, get in, get out, get even in 2003, directed by Gary, really? Gary, oh, Gary Gray. I thought it was Gary Gary. Uh, the Italian Job, 2003. Italian Job. The Italian Job. F. Gary Gray. Right? Isn't F that his name? Oh, yeah. F. Gary Gray. Man, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Sean. Kidding. All right, it's a callback. Callback. Yeah, this one's Mark Wahlberg, Shalise Theron, Dennis Sutherland, Jason Statham, Seth Green. Uh, yeah, I remember Norton. liking this movie a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of people. It's like, and, obviously, the car chase is awesome. Oh, yeah, this one uh, stars Minis. Mini Coopers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. They should get their own. And on Graham in 2003, what did Italian Job make? 85 million. 85 million, and Joey? 110. 110. Joey's going to take that last round. This one came in at $106 million. Mm. Oh. Gentlemen, thank you for everything. This okay. has been Gasper Gross. Graham, you won though. Phew. Congrats. I, you take the cake. I, I I got you calmed down by complimenting you. Then you just kind of took that, it easy. That's what hustlers do. Right. <laughs> I got your guard down and yeah. then just stuck it in there. I'm susceptible to it. <laughs> We can't, Flattery, watch, we all can't of it. watch The Hustler. That's like the 80s, isn't it? Uh, we'll get there. Jesus <laughs> Christ, this is going to be a long-ass podcast. Uh, speaking of long podcasts, we're about to get to another long segment, which no one likes. My sound segment. <laughs> Yay. 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 I like your sound segment. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, okay, so first let's talk about the music, which was very- Fucking what? Okay, go ahead, Sean. <laughs> no, no, go off. Go off, man. <laughs> Uh, none of it made sense. None of it matched what was going on. Everything was like way too much and way too strong and like just kind of wrong for what was going on. Um, uh, yeah, I, just I, I think, okay. I think you're, what you're doing is you're extrapolating a few moments to the whole score. I agree with you on some moments. There are maybe two or three of those where right it's off. Um, but I think for the most part, it's pretty on the nose. You know, we have tension, we have glissandos, we have action, we have drums. What, the, John? It, oh, go okay, ahead. Go, no, go, no, go, go ahead. Ahead, please. No, so, so, but the, the, the thing that I thought was really neat, though, is when they were, like, fantasizing about what they wanted to do with the money, then the music would be of the <laughs> fantasy. So, like, when they're talking about, like, the orchards, like, you're hearing the orchard music. I kind of I like that. I liked it, too. It's Okay, so... Max Steiner is known as the father of film music because he's very traditional. He does light motifs. There's five specific themes. You notice one of them. It's called like the Texas nostalgia theme. Wow. We first hear it when we do, he does the peach orchard. We talk about um, Cody when he he reads the letter uh, from his yeah. widow. Yeah. So it's all about Texas nostalgia, you know, uh. settling in Texas. Um, 
He's now people like that. Obviously, it's very traditional. Uh, Max Steiner was known for saying that Wagner was the father of this and basically was, would have been the greatest film composer if he lived, who basically kind of popularized that leitmotif idea. Now, we've talked about it. John Williams does it in Star Wars. I think Howard Shore is one of the greatest examples in Lord of the Rings. Obviously, Max Steiner and Korngold are the two really big people who started it. Um, now, that gets us to the biggest critique of Max Steiner, which is what Sean is saying, is that mm. this stuff is too on the nose. Mm. Um, what he also did was he discovered the click track, or not discovered, he made it popular more, which is uh, using the actual films, I think there's like perforations to make clicks in the actual film. So they have a specific metronome of timing. Mm. So they can actually kind of increase or decrease the rhythm based on the film's timing, um, which led to being more on the nose. Sorry, mm. go oh, uh, so it led to more, you know, exactly like, okay, he picks up the the weapon. Oh my God, we're going to play this violin right now. Oh, okay. He's going to, he's walking down the stairs. We're going to play some drums. So it led to very on the nose stuff, mm. um, which is, I think, good and bad. I don't know. Did you guys, Graham, did you feel, I don't know. Did you feel any of the bad stuff? Did you think it was too on the nose? Well, the only bad stuff were when there was like that eerie feeling that they had when he was like treating the kid when it was like this mm. sort of <laughs> spell spellbound witchcraft happening that kind of thing but 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 I do like the over the top stuff when it's like they're seeing gold for the first time and it's I like that. Oh, that was a great thing right it's like this sort of magical mystical and it's almost like it was it was hallucinating uh, or hypnotizing them mm-hmm. so the power of the gold was coming through the music totally I, that that I loved and that again felt very spielbergy like oh those mm. are, this is a spielberg moment um, but it never really bothered me. Uh, I, I like the one that I uh, that really jumps out to me. There were a few moments, but the one I remember most distinctly was when they first turned on the um, the water going down the. Right. Um, uh, oh Jesus! What the hell is that thing called? Um, the sluice. Yeah. So they oh, wow. they were sending the. Sorry. He's got the perspector. He, he, knows, ins- he knows insurance and gold. <laughs> oh my God. He actually does I did go down a uh, gold mining rabbit hole on YouTube recently. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, uh, um, there are a few places around LA where you can actually still go and uh, pan for gold as like just a general person. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it's, it's been on my bucket list. Now um, to but- go back, I agree with you. This moment, I believe wasn't correct. I mm-hmm. think the music simply didn't quite match. Um, you're right. It it was a simple thing of the water going down. They played it as if it was the biggest climax of the film. Yeah. It was just too big. Um, and mm. it, you know, and it makes the other moments less meaningful, you know, mm-hmm. when you do have those climaxes and those crescendos. So I agree with you. I thought I thought that was one bad moment. I think there was maybe one or two more, but on the most part, I, I did enjoy the score. I thought it was pretty good. I also thought there were some good moments of no score. Mm. Um where they really just kind of backed off and let some of the, the you know, the, the sadness come in. And well, I think just to go back to the the sluice moment, um, I don't even. It's not even so much that it was so big that it m- made me mad. It's so. It's more that it was unearned. So if they had, if it had been hard to build that thing, or if it had taken something and they were building up to this, yeah. and then all of a sudden this huge music when the water comes yeah, and point. we get this release, then that would have been a thing. It's a great point. But it's literally like. Guy just goes, turns on the switch, and all of a sudden, Wah! yeah, you're that's <laughs> totally right. Yeah, I'm sorry, Graham. Yeah, but, but couldn't you say that the 
traveling there and the, the skipping out of the banditos and not falling for the fool's gold. Right, right. But if you don't know anything about gold mining, yeah. that doesn't mean anything to you. That moment there, yes, to a gold miner that you know what's going on there. Yeah. You yeah. know, but like- I, I, I see both actually your points, yeah, but yeah. I think what we're missing is the little buildup of the actual buildup of the sluice. Like if we have right. shots yeah. of or montage of them yeah. building the shit, putting putting together the mine more. Yeah. You don't like, know okay, how important that is. Like that, that yeah. is an important moment when they turn yeah. that on. To me, it's just like but, we cut to it. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. It, it was very, I, I mean, again, this is a longer movie. They're trying to save some, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's on the cutting room floor, you know? Right. Um, but I, I think overall I did enjoy the music. And again, it is 48. So it's very early. I got a lot of influences here. I heard a lot of John Williams here. Hmm. I also thought there was a great cue that I think John Williams stole when uh, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, when he puts the, <laughs> uh, the bag of dirt, dust. He's, or dirt. he's weighing out the gold. Hmm. No, uh, no, kind of. Well, oh, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. You're correct. In yeah. Sierra Madre, the weighing out the gold in uh, Raiders, he's switching the idol for the sack of d- dirt. Basically, both sacks of y- dirt or, yeah, whatever. One is gold, Joey. It's pay dirt. By the hey, way, I didn't one. know in my mind that pay dirt meant that. Oh, like, yeah. they used it in this film. I'm huh. like, that makes sense. Huh. Dirt that pays. <laughs> pay <Yeah>. dirt. <laughs> It's incredible. <laughs> I was trying to be extra Seinfeldy there. I think I got it. Um, okay, so let's moving on with the sound. I think that there was some great stuff with the background sounds. Now, I was a little jarred with some of the African baboons mm-hmm. that were in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. I was a little surprised yeah. with that. Um, lots of frogs all over the place. A lot of fucking frogs, of frogs in Mexico, apparently. I, but I really liked the differences. And I think that's the great part of the locations. We start off in the it city. It wasn't just birds all day. That's true. true. That's true. <laughs> Although there were a lot of birds we got to like, the park in the city. But mm-hmm. go ahead, yeah, Graham. I'm or something. I don't know. There's some crazy. <laughs> there, was a, there was some jungle birds out there. There was some. Yeah, sure. yeah. There was a lot of loud birds. Um, I also really loved a couple moments that they did with the the sound of the donkeys. Yeah, yeah. There was one moment where we wake up with Cody the the night after he stays, and Bogart confronts him, and the, and I think Bogart punches him. But right before all the action happens, we get this crazy donkey sound, and the donkey is not just like donkey sound. He's like donkey just Agitated. got yeah, yeah. Someone just punched me in the face, donkey. <laughs> Which donkey actually punch? they were they were mistreating. Oh, good job. Oh, right there. <laughs> no, it was right there. I like that. Uh, anytime you can go blue, I appreciate it. Uh, okay, so I, I thought that that was a nice, I don't know, I use sometimes sound effects as punctuation. I think it's a nice little moment to add tension to the scene before anything starts, just to be like, okay, we could start the scene, but now we're starting it with this weird-ass donkey sound, and you are now thrown off, and the tension is increased, and now Bogart's confronting him. I think it's just a nice simple thing we forget that simple sound effects can change a scene's mood. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I would, um, kind of makes me want to go off on just like the, um, sort of evolution of sound. So uh-huh. like choosing to use animals in distress sounds, right. those are going to be sort of like instinctive, totally. reactive sort of sounds. So like, you know, half the reason we kept dogs around for so long is because they would start barking and alert us to when things were going wrong. Monkeys in the wild apparently like hear the sounds of birds chirping in certain ways and they know that the lions are coming. So I think there's, you know, something ingrained in us totally. that like when we hear an animal in distress, no matter what that animal is, 
is, it's still going to, you know, kind of influences in that same way. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it's it's so amazing because it's subconscious. I think that's yeah. the thing. It hits the lizard brain, hits the limbic system, um, and it's so easy. And I think that's part of the universal quality of sound yeah. is it, everyone is felt. You know, when you have a glissando, note, everyone feels tension. When you have that deep bass note, everyone feels scared at a horror movie kind of yeah. thing. Mm. When you have that donkey you know, something in us or a baby crying, you know, something mm-hmm. we all feel the same way. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, and I think that they used it pretty well, I think in, in this film. Which I, I just always find interesting because like I, we, we even, we usually think of things like color being as universal as that, but color is something that is like a, yeah, almost uh, uh, a societal thing. Right. Like different societies recognize totally. color for different attributes, whereas sound is still like, no matter like who you play that sound to, that is still so ingrained in that system that it hits them the same way. Very true. Um, I think there was great Foley, you know, I think this is an old school kind of movie with the typical Foley. There was a couple moments where they missed a couple of things like there was an insert shot of the first time we saw the panning of the gold mm. where he was actually holding the pan in the middle um Howard was mm. and he used it as a prop and we didn't hear it and mm. I, I don't know I, again I'm nitpicky again but I want to hear the little water yep, rattling the around. around and it's the first time we see the yeah, gold and I want to nice. get that gold sound mm. I don't know just one thing um, yeah, uh, a tiger. That was the big thing. Okay, so when Humphrey Bogart goes crazy, he hears a tiger. Um, and this doesn't, and he says it after the sound. I thought this might have been, I wasn't sure if it was added without the idea in the script. Like, I'm not sure the sound was in the script or not, basically. Hmm. And I was fascinated to think about whether they added it afterwards. So they were like, let's find a moment where he's kind of turning his head properly and we have to put that tiger sound in. And then I was thinking, is that on his head? Is, right. he re- is that tiger real? Is he going, yeah. Is he going crazy? Crazy, yeah. Um, and I wasn't sure because I thought the sound effect was very realistic. It, it didn't have a lot of reverb. It didn't mm. have a lot of echo, which sometimes they do if it's in your head. So I wasn't sure. Did you guys think that was real or in his head? Well, the, the pelts that they had, they were oh like some. God. They were cheetah some jungle pelts. cats, right? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, where, where did they kill a cheetah? <laughs> I don't know. How did they kill it? Like, how did they catch it? Yeah. So, because at the beginning they were saying, "Oh, there's like, don't go out into those mountains because there's tiger. Then there there be tigers out there." Right? Oh, they did say that. I think so. I, I yeah, that. at the beginning. But then he was like, "Oh, because Howard was like, oh, that's how we know that that's where we should go because people are scared yeah. off by the myth." of this dangerous land and therefore it's not going to be as established and not going to be as uh, uh, weather-worn, uh, you know, and not and even many people there. Yeah. So that's a great place for the gold to be. Uh, but then when they, I saw the, like this like cheetah pelt or something, I was like, <laughs> oh, I guess there, maybe there are tigers uh, out there. I mean, I've heard so jaguars and I Maybe guess. it was a jaguar, but, yeah, but or that, cheetah or not a cheetah. But a he called bobcat. it specifically a tiger. Like, right. You know, tiger is a tiger. It's the orange and the black, you know. This was supposed to be, what, 1925? They should have known. I don't think what, tigers they exist knew there in was Mexico, no tigers there. Right? It's yeah, only Africa no. and India, I believe. Right. Well, they could have escaped from zoos. They would have known that a jaguar was not a tiger. Or they just call yeah. every big cat That's a what tiger. I'm, yeah. Right? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's a, I don't know. But then again, that was a big deal because the sound of that tiger led him to pretty much say the tiger took the body. So then he just gave up right. searching and- Went on. Right, right, right. So without that tiger, so it could sound, have been subjective too. Then, yeah, it could have been. I don't know. I thought that was interesting, but the sound effect didn't add the reverb and echo that would have sold it. I thought that was hmm. so they left it kind of kind of ambiguous. Hmm. You know what I mean? If it was reverb and echo, hmm. you're like it's, right. it's, it's in his head. Like is it? Okay. It's, it's not a real. No tiger is there. He's I dreaming see. at all. He's hallucinating and going crazy. But with I don't know. What do you think, Sean? 
I was just pondering how much of all this stuff you're reading into is what was this 1946 Eight, in 1948 yeah. how much of this is them just saying that the audience in 1948 is not exactly sophisticated and they're not going to know what fucking animals are in mexico so let's throw a goddamn tiger sound in there because that's what's fucking scary right. i be. tend to believe occam's razor so <laughs> i'm gonna actually agree with <laughs> we're all in agreement even though i like going on my fanciful tangents <laughs> Didn't mean to, uh, you burst my bubble <laughs> and yeah it's burst you know you can't get it back it's fine it's fine I don't mind. Um, uh, the harmonica thought was kind of a nice, <laughs> a nice moment. Like obviously, okay. So we have the beans. The, everyone goes to sleep. Yeah. Howard, the old man, is still up. He's eating his beans. Loves his beans. Loves yep. the beans. He yep. needs the protein. Yeah. Yep. Needs the protein. Um, he tries to wake them up to, to get, have beans. To have beans. Yeah. Yep. He doesn't want them going to sleep on an empty stomach. Man, he's yeah. very sweet. They, well, like, they, he's going to make them work. I mean, you know. That's right. And that's that's how he was always like ahead, right? Like the they called him like the mountain goat mm -hmm. or something because yeah. he had a, he was fueled with the beans. Now, he cares so much about them <laughs> that he then proceeds to take out a harmonica <laughs> and play as loud as possible yeah. two yeah. feet from their face when they're sleeping. Well, I think he's still trying to convince them to get beans, but you know, if you're just annoying so and how play dare, your bagpipes. So I'm offering you beans. How dare you harmonica time? Yeah. Well, no, like, you know, you're... Uh, <laughs> Sounds reasonable. You're on, like, a long road trip with someone, and they keep falling asleep, so you turn the music up and fucking keep the music louder. So, it seemed like, kind of like a dick <laughs> move for, for Howard. He's usually a nicer... But again, not really. He's he's very pushy sometimes, so... Yeah, I still think it was because he knew he needed them to be fucking healthy to do the thing. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Okay, um, dialogue, anything special here? Nothing too crazy, just your traditional oh, ADR stuff. Lots of fucking mumbling. Lots of mumbling. I had trouble with some of it. I, you know, it's, I'm not going to complain too much, but uh, not as good as it should be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I could have got a lot more out of this movie with a little clearer dialogue. Mm. So Robert B. Lee, you know, <laughs> step up your game. Mm. Also, tell your parents not to, they fucked up with your name. Robert B. Lee. Robert B. Lee. It was probably an E and he just kind of connected it and made it into a B. <laughs> He got home from school <laughs> exactly. one day. Yeah. Okay. I learned this is bad. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on. Let's go to the camera stuff and how did this, uh, how this thing looked, Sean? What do you think? Um, it looked like a square and it was in black and white. And oh, come on. Don't sell it happened. short. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was in four by three. Uh, these were the old timey movies in the old timey days. Um, but uh, they did play with the frame, um, you know, a lot. And they, you know, the the use of these three characters in the frame was was often um, very specific, it seemed, in the way that they used the blocking and the placement of the people and like kind of like who's team we were on and who was against what and like where we were so there was you know a few shots that kind of really ring out to me Grammy had mentioned the one where they do the handshake in front of Howard and he's just kind of like nodding and watching everything in the background another one that stood out to me is um, when they were in the, the hostel or whatever you want to call it with all the cots um, there was like this over the shoulder shot back over Howard looking at uh, Dobbs and who's the other dude Curtain. Uh, curtain where there's like a split diopter shot where all of them are in focus at the same time and fucking uh howard is you know kind of taking up a large portion of the front part of the frame and the other two are kind of like in the back you you know you just kind of get this feeling like he's you know he's got his shit together and these two are kind of like kind of in it together but you know gonna follow this dude that knows what's going on there's just a lot of that 
visual language in this movie that said a lot without having to say a lot, but then the characters were saying a lot too, but mm-hmm. they, uh, it was, it wasn't necessarily juxtaposed drink, but it was more like a, um, a, a kind of a melding of like two statements at the same time that did go hand in hand without being obvious about it, I guess. Um, that seemed to be like the general sort of state of most of the the cinematography. One other thing I'd really point out is the fight scenes mostly played in the wides. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most everything else was in like single close-ups. There's tons of yeah. single close-ups in this movie. Yeah. But every time we went into action, we're into a fucking wide. And God damn it, I love a goddamn wide action there, scene. There was yeah. a few close up with the punches yeah, like, yeah they, cut, they much, cut around and shit yeah you're but right mo- like you know they'd cut in for things but it didn't feel like today's action movies where they cut around shit to try and fake it or to try and make you think more is mm. happening like the stuff that played out in the wide seemed real and it seemed like it was um, still engaging and it still was a scene that you wanted to watch and when they did go in close Sometimes those cuts were a little bit awkward. I will say the editing editing of this movie did seem a little bit choppy. Um, I do do think that comes a lot from all of the singles that they had. So it would go from like single shot to single shot to single shot. And to me, that feels just feels a little bit cutty. But in those, you know, bigger action fight scenes, uh, I thought it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, there was big jumps. They were going from really wide to really tight and then really wide to really tight. That was a little bit too much for me. But even still, you could just being able to see action is like so missing these days yeah. that I, I, I yeah. I just it. to build on that, I think the, the, the standout fight scene was the one in the bar, the bar at the beginning yeah, totally. mm-hmm. with, um, I don't forget the guy's name, but you know, the guy who had the money and, yeah. and Bogart yeah, and Kurt. Man, they, right. well, um, they got, yeah. He hired him yeah. to build an arrow, uh, oil Derek. Yeah. What did they say? He took the powder. I, what was that phrase when he left? Like he's going to leave and he's going to take the powder. He's, yeah. Oh man. He's going to get a powder. So I, I figure it was like, cause they, you know, when they were, they were shaving Humphrey Bogart oh. and they powdered his whole face. I guess like being at a spa. I guess that he was like the before term. Before he took the, ah, like he, he, he's, he's going to, he's going to the powder or whatever. It's like, he's going to the spa kind of thing. Like oh, I thought it was more like Wiley Coyote or Roadrunner. Like, doof. yeah. <laughs> and and like cloud of, <laughs> I'm sure that was it. That's not I'm it. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure that is not it. Um, but I think also that, that moment was great too because there was no music. Uh, and I wanted to, I was trying to think of a time where there was no music and mm. that was really all Foley and it was really raw, that fight. I felt, mm. I liked that, that they brought, they started off that movie with a raw fight um, and, and living in poverty. You know, that was a, a big fucking deal. I love the way they, they just bounced around from location to location. And I think that's a big part of why this movie to me looks pretty damn good. Mm. Just for my layman's is because of the real locations. Yeah. Um, not not everything. I felt like there was some sets, Graham. Yeah, yeah. Am I right I there? I think that uh, later on in the movie, when things got started to get more dark and more sort of surreal in a certain way, then they went to sets. I feel like because yeah. they wanted to create that feeling of the dark, ominous shadows in the background and the and the ominous cacti all yeah. around them, and they and the fire with so they can control the light with the fire a little more. But I think that was like as the movie got more surreal. Like at the beginning, I think it was like very realistic, almost in how it was shot was very realism based. Yeah. And then as the movie increased, it kind of went a little more expressionistic just a little just a little bit oh for sure i mean we 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 didn't have those crazy humphrey bogart lighting shots from underneath him with the, with the campfire look that was all towards the end we right. kind of earned those well you yeah. said this was one of the first movies to shoot out of the country right yeah so i assume that they're not gonna well uh, I, I assume the availability of generators and trying to move lights and trying to do night scenes out there would just be such a huge pain in the ass that right. uh, yeah, jack warner notoriously was pissed uh 
basically for doing that. Mm. He, he thought, you know, it was just too much of a hassle. Kind yeah. Of thing. yeah. Um, and they were surprised that this movie made money. I think he thought this was all going to be a big flop. Well, Ooh. he hated the ending, right? He wanted a happy ending. Yeah. And he was I like, thought that was a happy ending. <laughs> well, uh, well not for not for Humber, well, not for actually, the star, not for Humphrey Bogart. Well, he's but he. I mean, he might be the star, but he's not the hero no, of the movie. He's the villain. The yeah. villain dies, and yeah. like our two guys get kind of what they wanted, and you know they're in a good mood. Like, that's true. Well, <laughs> true. Talk, uh, okay, so one of them, even though he gets what he wants. Well, okay. One is going to be a high priest and fucking praised yeah. for the rest of his life. <laughs> the true. other one's going to bang some broad on a fucking uh, from a, a certain point of view. Allow me to <laughs> allow me to, to show you the other angle okay. here. Uh, okay, the old man tricked a bunch of uh, people. He tricked the tribe. Okay, he swindled them, and he's kind of a con man. And now he's making them, you know, collig. Yeah, but he's did you Caligula. see that chick feeding him the shit with the oh, booze and the, the he's lime? And the- she's feeding him. She's feeding him grapes, lighting his cigarette, and yeah. tricked all these people because he made them think he's a god. It's like in Return of the Jedi when C three PO tricked right. a bunch of yep. Ewoks, and we're all like, yeah. "Oh, great, great, great!" He just tricked a bunch of Ewoks into killing themselves. Oh, so they're so, going to eat him. So it all works out. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> then it would work. Out. And another thing. Okay, so the, Cody. Cody comes and offers them a proposition, and they decide to kill him. Yeah. And then he dies, kind of defending yeah. them. Right. Sacrificing his life to save theirs yeah. a little bit, you know? Yeah. And then they basically say, Oh, look, you got a wife and kid. Yeah. I'm going to go, <laughs> gonna go get, take a get visit them. to them. <laughs> right. And I'm going to take your place. Yeah, right. dude. It's you true. got some extra burrows. You got a wife. You got a kid. You got a fucking orchard. You're good to go. They didn't actually wow. kill him. <laughs> they were thinking about it. They were they, they were thinking about it. They had their d- guns drawn and their hand on the trigger, but they did not kill him. They it were happens, five to- seconds from killing him. They all decided. But they didn't. This isn't pre-crime. This isn't fucking... Attempted murder is murder. It was never attempted. It was thought about. It's not a crime to think about murder. Hold their guns out. No thought crime. <laughs> all yeah. right. Fine, fine. fine. No, it, it, it's a nice loose good, end that he question. would go with the the... the I, I, I get it. It, yeah, it fits yeah. puzzle pieces. Yeah, wise, but it's not. But, you know, maybe the woman. Are you talking about the morality? Are you talking about the morality of this movie? Yeah, there's no morality. There's no. There's no. Even even Howard, right? The old guy. He was like. He's like. We're not. Uh, what was he like? We're not honest. We're just uh, trustworthy. Right? Like, there's a difference between honest and trustworthy. Yeah, like yeah, honest yeah. is like in your soul, you're going to do the right thing. Yeah, but right. trustworthy is like, well, I know I can't screw you guys over because you're stronger than me. So therefore you can trust me. Yep. Right. So that's kind of a neat that they were all had this moral gray area. It's a mutually assured destruction. Yeah. 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 I, I liked how that, that game theory scene, obviously we've seen that scene before many, many times, but I think that it's uh that was an amazing, that was a standout scene, I think. Because yeah. it it really was subtle enough to lay out the stakes, you know, yeah, and, totally. and it was the first time I think I really was like, oh, they're going to turn on each other. Mm-hmm. I didn't really see it before that scene. I saw flashes mm-hmm. maybe. I mean, mm-hmm. he would talk, I mean, the old man talked about how gold corrupted everyone, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, I didn't, yeah, I assumed I didn't see Bogart that, doing I did, that until I, I that I thought scene. they were going to turn on each other way more. I thought that- I, uh, you know, I, I didn't think Bogart was going to be the only one to fucking want to Bogart this. I thought it was going to be more murder in the Orient Express kind of thing, where everyone tur- is exactly. turning on each yeah. other. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I was that surprised that it was only. Yeah, That's... I'll say only Bogart. Yeah, yeah. 
That's what happens in a simple plan and shallow grave. Everyone turns equally on each other. Mm. So that's, it is kind of a different message, right? That's a different message. It's saying everyone is corrupted by And it's a cynical world and uh, humanity sucks. This is just, this is like, no, you can screw over a bunch of locals and like make them believe you're a high priest. So not cynical at all. This one. No, no. Just pretend you're a medicine man. You'll be cool. And you can just show up on a random doorstep and say, hey, your husband's dead, but I'm here. <laughs> he lifted the kid's arms. What the fuck? Like, and then gave him tequila on his lips. Put some or, cold or compresses on his chest. Yeah. What I, the hell? I really thought he was gonna about to do like a psychic surgery thing, where you know, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. You, oh, like a lobotomy. Where, like, no. The, no, like the little squid thing comes out. Exactly. <laughs> like yeah. a, you ever seen a Man liver? On the moon with oh the, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it's from. <laughs> yeah, right. Leeches. I was expecting maybe. Yeah, yeah. Leeches right. would have been good. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, do you guys have anything else to talk about with the lighting or the look of it? I mean. A very low contrast for what I expected. I expected a lot more like noir or like um, moody sort of thing, but this was very, very high key for the most part. There's a lot of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, not a whole lot of shadow as much as you would think would be in. I think it has its moments. There's some shots that are very shadowy and noir, not noir-y, you're right, but some, you know, when when Humphrey Bogart's supposed to be, Scary and yeah, go yeah. crazy. We have some of that, but I think you're right. It's, yeah, it's, say overall, it, it just felt brighter than I ever thought it would be. More sitcommy yeah, exactly, than yeah. you mm. expect. If that's, mm-hmm. I think, kind of agree with what you're saying. I don't know. What do you think? Any lighting issues with I, you? I, no, I was. I, I liked a lot of more of the blocking. I was paying attention more. To, yeah. I love some of the shot composition. It was just gorgeous. Like yep. he picked his key moments. Like for me, so actually for me, I've seen this before. So I knew like when the hand shot mm. with uh, Howard in the back, that was like, oh, he's looking at them like. Because he just warned them, right? He yeah. just warned them that I know what gold does to a man's souls. And when he sees the hands shaking, he's like, well, they're friends now, but are yeah. they going to stay friends? Right. Oh, so yeah. that was like the first, that's like heading into act two is like, oh crap, here we go. Right. Well, the, the handshake moment comes right after he says that he's going to front them the extra 200 bucks or whatever. So that, like there's right. already this like unequal uh, exactly. ground that they're on yeah. and you can kind of see that right. in Howard's eyes. Yeah. That's very true. Um, and then there's a few shots with Bogart in the fire. I, I love that. I love the there's the shot when the um, the villagers came for the first time, and there's like this scythe like sword oh, thing yeah. in the front, Great. and it's like this danger uh, element. And then my other favorite shot that I loved was when he was like in the end when yeah. he's washing his face, mm. and in the reflection the we see it, yeah. the bandito guy come That's again. Great. That's great. That was that was really cool. Uh, the, also the donkey, some good donkey stuff going on. Donkeys drinking the water just like Humphrey Bogart right next to him. Some good donkey acting. You like the? Is donkey that just stuff. because they look like cows? I like all animals, Sean. All four-legged <laughs> animals. Even the thing for Gila, Gila monster. I appreciated him as well. He did okay. a good job until you know, even his play acting when he no, he he died. Even his tail yeah. wiggling. <laughs> um. By the way, before did you did you notice that when he was doing the 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 trickery of the medicine man stuff, and he held a a, a broken shard of. A glass mm-hmm. up to the kid's face. Uh, it was a mirror. Yeah, hold yeah. on. What, what was up with that? Uh, he was he just was, trying to see if there was like something in his nose. No, or no. He was. He was. Uh, that's like how they used to check if you were dead. So you'd put a mirror under someone's nose and you'd see the the steam or the, oh, the, the condensation uh, of the breath on uh, there. Okay, you can't okay. just put your finger under there. You could yeah. just put your fucking like hand on his chest. Like, <laughs> there's a thousand other ways you can check if fucking someone's breathing. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. It's I yeah. See. I think it's. I feel like it's one of those like cartoony or vaudevillian things that like mm. people think they used to do right. but more like a stagey sort mm. of thing well maybe that fits uh, that he was being theatrical oh, right and totally. he was trying to fool them into thinking he knew what he was doing one more thing I, I noticed and I would like to maybe watch this a second viewing and pay attention to is is the the specific blocking of standing and sitting 
Mm-hmm. I noticed there was a lot of interesting times where the people stood up or sat down or the, you know, the difference between the heights of the characters. Mm-hmm. Also, I really liked um, when the banditos confront Humphrey Bogart when he's at the the stream or the, the pond or whatever. And there, two of the banditos are like going against his ankles and they're constantly like, like right. on the ground, right. almost like they're ready to pounce. I thought that was kind of cool how they did that. No, they yeah. really wanted his shoes. Oh, they want issues too. No, yeah. I, I totally got that too. But I thought they were also looking to see if, and this was me thinking too much, to see if he had a gun in his ankle. To I, check I if he had a weapon or that a knife was my or something. Um, initial assumption. But like when they got into a fist fight over the fucking shoes, I realized that yeah. like you know these guys don't fucking see shoes very often. <laughs> like mm. those look like pretty nice shoes. <laughs> Give me your shoes. Yeah, those are yeah. gonna be fine. <laughs> okay, I agree. Yeah, it's it's about the shoes. <laughs> yeah. Just like the Battle of Gettysburg, guys. It started over shoes. I mean, there are no red-soled pumps, but do. Well, let's talk about award-winning shoes and awards in general here. That was a horrible transition. <laughs> you got your Louis Vuittons on? Uh, oh, that's good, I guess. I can't work that into the Oscars, though. Mm-hmm. How do I work that? You wear them when you go to the Oscars? Sure. That's not bad. Yeah. What else? The spats? I, you know, it's so funny. Spats? I didn't know about Spats until that last movie we watched. Until Tim started screaming about Spats. about Spats. What was that movie we watched with Spats in it? It was the, with the character named Spats. Yeah, it what was, was that? Fucking, uh, the last the, movie we watched. It was the goddamn, uh, uh, West, or not Western, fucking gangster picture. Um, God damn it. Oh, God, well, we'll move on. It's another great movie, and I can't believe I can't think of mm. it now. But, you know, you should go back and listen to all of our episodes. Mm. That's a good segue. Okay, so we're going to play the Oscar game. Don't play the song, Sean. It's fine. We're going to play the yeah, Oscar do game. Do the song. Do the song. No. Okay. <laughs> You're the music guy. It's called Guess the Oscar. That's why I don't like it mm. for now. Okay. Oh, yeah. You, you didn't like my voice, did you, Graham? I think your voice is great. You did. You I think it's a great counterpoint it. to Sean's booming male <laughs> voice. Hmm. I'm going to try to take that as a compliment. Ernie and Bird, Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> Which one am I? Um, You're Ernie. <laughs> you know, it's funny. My dad wanted to name me Ernie and my mom wouldn't have it. Seriously. <laughs> that wow. would have been so cool Can if you your name was Ernie. Can you imagine my name is Ernie? Yeah, you're wow. even wearing a striped sweater like Ernie. Yeah. It's literally your Ernie. Yeah, you are. I'm never going to look at you the same again. <laughs> would have been a different person. Pretty much. Is so. that is that like Ernest? Is I that think the short, so. the long form is Ernest? So. Yeah, my dad just liked Ernie. Hmm. Hey, Vern. Hey, Vern. <laughs> it was some like it hot as well, though. Ah, thank you. Mm. All right, let's go right to the first category, best actor. Mm. We got Clifton Webbs for Sitting Pretty, Dan Daly for When My Baby Smiles at Me, Montgomery Cliff for The Search, Laurence Olivier in Hamlet, or Lou Ayers for Johnny Belinda. Who do you got for best actor? I'm going to go with Little Baby Piggies. I'm going with Laurence Olivier, Hamlet. The answer is Laurence Olivier, Hamlet. Yeah. The next category, Best Actress, we got Barbara Stanwyck, Sorry, Wrong Number, Irene Dunn, I Remember Mama, Jane Wyman, Johnny Belinda, Ingrid Bergman, sorry, Ingrid Bergman, Joan of Arc, Olivia de Havilland, Snake Pit. Hmm. Say her name. Hmm. Joan of Arc? I was going to say Joan of Arc, too. Bergman? Yeah. The answer is Jane Wyman for hmm. Johnny Belinda. Hmm. Not a clue. All right, we're going to move on to Best Director. We got John Huston, The Treasure of Sierra Madre, mm. Laurence Olivier for Hamlet. Wow, he directed that too. I didn't know that. Mm. Jean Negulesco for Johnny Belinda, Fred Zinneman, The Search, 
and Anatoly Litvak for the snake pit. Hmm. Um, dude, I'm just going to go with John Houston, even though I don't know if that. I'm going to go with Hamlet again. Answer John Houston, oh, our best director for this Oof. baby. I think he's a good director. I thought this, it was great. I was thinking about that. This is a great movie, directed wise. I think so yeah. too. Yeah, it was restrained, did, but yep. he picked his moments to kind of like really hammer things home. Got great performances. Performances out of his actor. were great. He wrote the script based on the book, but he still wrote the script. You know, condensed a big book down into a, a screenplay. It was manageable. Yeah, great stuck job. to his guts with a dark ending. Yeah, Ooh. that was such a brave ending. I see. Yeah, yeah. so it was fucking fun. It's fun. <laughs> the gold goes. To, I want someone to get the fucking gold. I'm sorry. That really bugged me. I, I, you know, I don't want to play into Jewish stereotypes, but anytime that I see money getting burned, just, the Dark Knight, when that pyramid of money, you know, it's a fucking waste. <laughs> Think about all the people waste. that could help. Anywho, okay. Let's go to best motion picture. Okay. The Snake Pit, The Treasure of Sierra Madre, The Red Shoes, Johnny Belinda. Or Hamlet. Hmm. Was Duchovny making movies back then? Oh, wait, Red Shoe? That Diaries. Oh. You watched a lot of Cinemax? Totes. Wasn't that HBO? Yes, I think it was Showtime. Maybe. Uh, the other white meat. <laughs> What's your answer? Um, yeah, I'm going to go Treasure. I, I think that. Oh, you're looking to see? I, that's what I, 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 to my credit, I was showing Sean. So there was no... <laughs> tough, tough to see. You're very close. He's very far. I think he knows the answer. And he well, was I don't know the answer because I honestly would have... I think I would, have, I would have gone for Treasure, but because there's no Oscar on the cover, I don't think I, I would. So, And I, I don't think it was Red Gee. Shoes. So I, I'm going to just go with Hamlet. He's right. Oh. We're going to give this one to Graham Hamlet. As Fucking the answer. Fuck. I picked Hamlet like three times, and the one time I don't pick it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never seen this Hamlet. Uh, Neither have I. No? Not, no. I hear it's actually a little bit over, you know, it's Laurence Olivier overdoing his mm. Laurence Olivier thing. Well, if he's directing himself to play Hamlet, <laughs> mm, he's you certainly might... not raining it in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So if you like him, I'm sure that movie's great. All right. All right uh, that should do it for the Oscar okay. picks. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. We're going to move on to miscellaneous and errata. Um, Sean, look like you got a little list there. Do you have any extra things you want to add? Mm. <sighs> <laughs> you just take a sip of Coke. What's wrong with that? Um, honestly, not much. I, ju I just really want to circle back to the beginning when we throw the splash of water in the kid's face and he's <laughs> fucking, man, that intro to Bogart is just like, I love that guy. <laughs> like, well, I thought about that too. I was like, one, it's funny, but two, it's like, this guy's not a good guy. Yeah. He's really Immediately. bad. Yeah. You, 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 like, you're like, oh, it's Bogart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he throws the water in the kid's face. You're like, oh, it's that kind of movie. <laughs> Bogart's a dick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Joe, what about you, Graham? Any other extra? extra well, to, to that, I, I do uh, I admire the amount of it, uh, time they spent building up these characters, I right? Like, like step one, he's he's going to be a beggar, but then he gets mm. like told off by John Houston himself. Step two, we're going to get a job. We're going to work. We're going to be like honest men. And then they get fucked over right. and they kind of, you know, and then it's like, now what? They're in a freaking slop house. Like where only the cockroaches and rats go. They're at, they've hit rock bottom. Right. And then they kind of come up with their next plan because they meet this old wise man who can teach them about the ways of the gold. Right. 
What's that? Obi Wan. Obi Wan, exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I did, I did love how they, they, they really tried to get us into the, the characters and get, get, see their, their pain that this was like a last resort and all of that kind of stuff. So that, that goes to the. Um, I think I agree with you. I was really going to mention how it starts in poverty. I think that's such a great way to show it. And I think you also make a great point about character development. Like a lot of times you don't need like amazingly deep dialogue. You just need to spend some time with the characters and mm-hmm. watch them go through some shit. Like yeah. we saw him like like on top of the fucking Derek building the thing, going down, getting working hard 18 hours. And then we see that he gets screwed and then he has to fight the guy. So we just go through some shit with him. That's why I kind of am attached to Bogart, which is so interesting about this film. And I yeah. still in my gut, a little bit, feel like he's the protagonist to oh, me. Oh, it's still weird yeah. when he gets killed. Like, weird. Right. And when he breaks bad and when he gets killed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, both. Eh, the Breaking Bad is less. The, him getting killed. Like, him not making it to the end of this fucking movie is fucking right. weird. Yeah. I thought they all, I, I thought it was going to be an all, they all shoot themselves in Mexican standoff style, like, right. you know, Reservoir that'd Dogs cool. or something. Or like Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Yeah. That cool. was fine. Yeah. That's a cool story. There was a lot of parallels, by the way, too, especially with the music, The Ecstasy of Gold. Uh, if you listen to that, it was very similar in the way that the gold theme was very circular. Graham kind of mentioned it earlier, how it kind of leads to like this mystery feeling, mm. wonderment. Um, the Ecstasy of Gold is the same kind of thing. That the, I always kind of see these circles when he's doing these, these long scales on the harps. Um... I also thought, you know, what else did I say? I, I did the lottery thing. Ugh. When he won the lottery in the beginning, mm-hmm. Bogart, mm-hmm. it kind of felt a little bit hackneyed. Contrived like, in the fact that he won we $200. Need, we need, like, just happened to oh, need we're, oh, hey. we're short 200 bucks. Yeah, exactly. Oh, here comes the kid. You and won here, the lottery. The kid I poured water in the face. Yeah. 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 I, I, all right. It was fine. But, I was just a little. The one interesting thing I noticed about the characters this time I hadn't noticed before is that, so they're screwed out, uh, screwed over by the guy at the beginning who was their boss. And he said, oh, I'll meet you at the bar, right? And I'll, we'll go over our money then. Mm. And he hated that guy enough to like, they get into this fist fight with him, right? right? But then later on in the movie, when the bandits come up to him, he says, oh, I, I got some money. Well, I'll meet you in the bar. I love that parallel. Right? So he became the Loved guy it. that he hated at the beginning. So that's his arc, right? And at mm. that moment, he has to die because he has had a corrupted soul, just like the character he hated at the beginning and so that was at that moment it's like that's when the machete came out and kind of got him Hmm. I I thought that was kind of neat I totally got that that he was now the shitty con artist yeah Um, but you're right putting it together now is is like yeah he his arc is now complete yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah Um, I also wanted to say I liked how scenes breathe breathe in this film Um, adding to just what I was saying earlier about spending time with the characters the barbershop scene Mm. in the beginning I don't know. What do you think of that one, Sean? It was long for just a scene where we watched this guy get a haircut. Yeah, almost like for the things that we pontificated could end up on the cutting room floor. <laughs> um, that one, like, I don't know how that one would have won over the other things. Um, I don't know that that was at all necessary. It was kind of a nice little moment, but, it, you know, there's so much other character development in all of the characters that I don't think that that, I, that was. I have a theory. Yeah. Um, I think it's to show time passing. Think I think they were trying to show. But wait, John Houston. What do you mean? Because John Houston said he approached yeah. him twice in that same day. So well, not yeah. so there was no. No, I, I mean like, like we got hours. to see his beard grow. 
Like so, he got a shave, oh, and, then we, and then we got to see That's his beard grow. So we show he showed that he was working for those the oil Derek guys. I, I for, thought it was just to show his frivolousness with money. Mm, so as soon as he yeah. got money, he would spend right. it on random bullshit rather well, I thought than it was a good thing pampering. to spend money on. Well, but that's but he did say later on his dream was to go into a restaurant, order everything out the menu, and then pretend it's bad and take the guy, make the guy take it back. Nope. <laughs> like this guy's that asshole through yeah. and through. But you're right. He's either. like, and I'll get twelve of everything. And yeah. I'll, he was just going to throw it all in one night like yep. he was working you know I, I i think that's a good point yeah and i'm i'm still convinced that the third time that he asked the guy for money uh he asked the guy so he could follow the prostitute mm. Mm. might be a little projection there Sean. He, well you know i take what i can get <laughs> but he walked uh like that's literally like the impetus like she walks by walks around the corner gives him the she eye she starts the scene right right yeah. and then he he mm. sees immediately asks for money and when he gets the money he turns around and goes that direction they cut right. it right there but i i'm assuming it's implied that that's why he wanted the money and mm -hmm. again that you know just showing that more frivolous nature of him throwing that away yeah, yeah, rather yeah. than yeah, yeah. No, you're right and shows a little bit darkness in him too Maybe yeah he's, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's no, a John I, kind of guy you're, that's not that that's a bad thing yeah you're pretty judgy Sorry, over I, I, that I, I, <laughs> 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 I apologize to all the Johns out there <laughs> you know, sex work is, is a legitimate business yeah, no, in some so. states in, 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 in depending general. on the level all states but it should know. be <laughs> Uh, cam girls can work in any state. Oh, okay. Um, one other moment that did um, just kind of fill me with a little bit of joy for really no reason whatsoever. Um, after they were on the oil derricks and they're coming back on the ferry, there's a real wide shot from the shore of the ferry pulling up into the dock. And one of the ferry workers tosses a line out like a goddamn lasso and mm. puts it right around a fucking uh, pier pylon mm. as they're coming into the thing. It's like, unless it's one of those things that you, you know, you probably <laughs> just don't notice, but like, that was just a perfect fucking fling from that dude. And uh -huh. I, just, I just respected it. So nah, yeah. <laughs> the lasso, that was like your yeah, Western, it you was, yeah, for a Western exactly. coming out. <laughs> I didn't see that. That's really cool. Actually. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say also something about Bogart smoking. Um, I could watch him smoke forever, <laughs> just on a loop. The right. man just knows how to smoke very coolly. Even when he's rolling yeah. his cigarette, he's cool. True. Even when he was chewing <sighs> on like straw or that toothpick or whatever he had in the beginning right. when he didn't have the cigarette, but it, he was just like gritting on it. Still had that just same like- Give that man something in his hands because yeah. when he doesn't have anything <laughs> in his hands- yeah, That's right. The man they were is like, awkward. Like Velociraptor. <laughs> <fins>. <laughs> exactly. Okay, yeah. I, I was a little bit confused. Um, I thought maybe there was a choice when he was like kind of holding his hands like at his side like that, like like you said, like a T-Rex velociraptor. <laughs> because I thought he was like trying to say, oh, I might choke this guy. Because there was a couple of times where he was yeah, near I Cody. Right. Oh, we get it. Yeah. He, but it, it was really, really weird. And we saw him keep that position for a good 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. and it, it was, was all in a wide shot too. Yeah. It, didn't it, cut. yeah. it was just very funny. That's true. Yeah. It almost felt like he was about to lunge or do something, but then it was just kind of trailed off into awkwardness. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because we just stayed on him too long, yeah. I think. So apparently he was uh, bald in this movie, and that was all a wig. No, Do you wow. believe that? <laughs> Whoa. Does that, that was pretty His hair good. was great. That was pretty good wig work. Yeah. He, got it, he got it wet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He got it. He was like all nuts. And it looked great. It, yeah. I, I, I was like looking. I was trying to see like the seams. Wow. It was uh, amazing. 
Yeah. Apparently, all, apparently, all three of the main characters are <laughs> <laughs> all bald. Everyone was bald. In this, this is movie. like the, if there's not an Oscar for best wig, this wow. is, <laughs> they should be because this movie's it. This is like the greatest thing for bald since Fast and the Furious. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Vin Diesel, The Rock, all right? Tyrese. Hmm. Even Ludacris, I think, is a shaved head. Yeah. Is this just a uh, personal line of uh, inquiry that you go down in every, uh, every movie? Oh, I, try, I try to see <laughs> where can I research of all the guys. Larry David's like that too. He's got a th- he like thinks balds are their right. own kind of ethnicity. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they need representation. They need representation. Yeah. Is what he's saying. Yeah. You know, you can't cast someone with hair for a bald role. Mm. Right. Anti-baldist. Huh. Like if you had a bald historical character. Yeah. You can't put. A, a guy with wait, hair. I, 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 there's got to be some. There, oh, wait a minute. Okay, I got one. Okay. Well, that's not a historical figure. American Hustle. Okay. He's kind of historical. It's actually based on a true story. He puts a bald thing on. So Christian Bale, yeah. mm. not bald. In the first scene, he's putting on his toupee. Fake bald. What do you think about that? Is that, that bad? Awesome. I thought it was such an amazing scene. <laughs> but that's not representation. I know. What are you going to do? I, I'm okay with that. I don't think it needs to be its own ethnicity. Yeah, We're all just people. I also don't We're like all just bald people, Mr. Mr. Perfect Lavish Hair. Am I the only the one 70s? who doesn't like bald caps? I can always tell they're fake. I can always tell. They're always, always bad. Yeah. Always, mm. yeah. What do you think? I would Did say you see Vice, it could be, Vice look bad. Yeah, yeah. I would say it could be argued that you can always tell when they're bad, but if you can't tell, then you don't know. So there's a few I probably. I, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm arguing that there's maybe a lot that have sk- skated by you. No doubt. Where, but um, yeah, most of the time they suck, uh, especially in television. Um, but uh, yeah. Oh, uh, Do you think that's the high def? Uh, no, it's just the quickness. Like you know, when you're talking about doing Saturday Night Live and shit, you got ten minutes in between fucking sketches to get that cap on. There's yeah. another, I can, John Cusack in uh, Being John Malkovich and, oh. and Martin wow. Sheen or Charlie Sheen in, in also in Being John Malkovich. It's true. So, Sheen's- you know, those guys are, they're representing the community well, I think. Yeah. Are power. They, I don't, <laughs> bald power. I mean, I appreciate showing bald people, but get real bald guys, you know? Maybe they just don't have the chops. Is it cheaper, you think, to get a, a guy with hair and make him bald than to find a bald guy and put like little strands of comb over hair on him? I don't know. Think about that. Or let's not. Let's not. Let's just move on. We're going to move on. Because <laughs> I just led us to a dead end. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't think we have any more errata. Miscellaneous, you got any more? No. What, we kind of talk, Let's quickly just talk about the ending. I think we, we talked about it, but we didn't really. Um, I kind of mentioned it. Do you guys think? Do you guys have anything more to say, actually? Because I think we didn't really dive. By the ending, you're talking about like the, the gold in the wind? Yeah, the, the gold in the wind. I mean, it's telling us what? That it, money is useless or it's telling us that all... the, 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 the the true treasure in life is not material i think that's that's almost like a quote isn't it like it's gotta it, be it, it, that was the, the the letter that the guy got from his wife was like now we know that the the true the true treasure is not material it's love it's love joe love i think so i kind of want that gold um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but I, I think that i think yeah the, Okay, another question for you guys. If all three of us were prospecting, 
I'd who would be the who would be the the Dobbs? <laughs> you're you're wow. saying you're Graham immediate. Wait, what, who did you say? I said I'd carry the gold, but you yeah, carry the gold. <laughs> because oh, you're the most it, honest or the most trustworthy. The trustworthy. <laughs> <laughs> it's up to you to decide. What's funny? Yeah. What's funny is the guy says like I can't run away from you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you yeah, can't really run away from no, me. No, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. No, he's got cool weapons. Oh, that's true. <laughs> true. Okay, in this scenario, we all have weapons, but yeah. Okay. Uh, okay who, you, I think I'm trying to think who would, who would get corrupted first. Right is the question. What do you think? Um, I mean, you just admitted that you would you want the gold. Yeah, you're already you're already there. No? So I am Humphrey Bogart. I've given you some hints. Yeah, I think yeah. So. I'm pretty sure you'd kill me under certain circumstances. <laughs> if there's enough gold involved, I, I think I mean, you, everyone has a you price. Would at me. Yeah. Yeah. People on Craigslist get at me. <laughs> <laughs> How much gold to dump nasty? <laughs> it has to be gold. It has to be powder. Powder. I thought it looked very weird, uh, the actual gold itself. Do you think that's what it actually looks like? What's in black and white? That's what it looks like. Uh, It was a little shimmery. So they were talking about, um, uh, was it pay dirt? So what they had is like much more of a mix of dirt Mm. and gold particles than it is like what you would normally like pick think of panning for gold gotcha. um like when you do it's like, not like little rocks it's you know? not well even like n- most panning for gold is like little flakes so not, you know not even nuggets for the most part like nuggets are a huge you know bigger operation sort of thing but like this is even like um they sell this shit on uh like amazon and ebay which is like a bucket of dirt where they literally send you this it's like s- silt and very fine dirt mm-hmm. mixed with gold and you you pay like $1,500 for this bucket of dirt. And then you sit there in your tub and you fucking sift out all of the dirt from the gold and you hope that there's more gold in there that you paid for that dirt. So, I mean, it's just kind of like this, if you were, if you didn't know there was gold in there, it would be very, uh, very easy to assume that it was just sand. So I think that does, mm-hmm. they, I think they were playing it right. It's just, it uh, doesn't um, work for the Hollywood audience that doesn't necessarily know what's going on. Hmm. Something else I, I think I'm just coming thinking about of gold in that they also talk about in this movie that gold is useless except for jewelry and mm-hmm, teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to me because it's 48. And electronics. Well, okay. So yeah, it's 48. <laughs> it's set up specifically. So, you know, they, it, it, they're off, we're off the gold standard, right? I think FDR did it, I believe. Uh, Nixon. Oh, yeah. was it Nixon? Nixon. Yeah. Wow, so we were still on the gold standard. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that is interesting to me because I was thinking gold means something differently to those audiences than to us, I think. Obviously, we look at it as just money, capitalism, greed in general. But to people, I think it's it's got more of a physical, tangential connection. I think that's why this movie is the, the tangible. Like, yeah. Especially when they say the word gold, right? right. Everything stops. You think it's rich. Yeah. yeah. It's right. kind of, it's different for us. Like I, right. maybe Sean's got some gold. I okay. Don't, so, I don't okay. Really, sorry. Okay. So here's a question then. So, uh, uh, so adjusted for inflation, how much would like, how much would it be legitimate amount of money that you think these characters could go through though? To make their story like, believable. Yeah. Cause they said that they had 25,000 each. Yeah. No, 35,000 each. Okay. Right. So how much in today's dollars would you need that to be in order for you to be compelled for 10 months to go out in a treacherous terrain in Mexico and then turn on each other and go mad? Well, these guys are also broke. That's, we have to think about that. Like right. they're, they're poor house. Broke. But, yeah. So, and so how are the old man's like, I got the rest of my life. Good. I'm going to live here in Mexico and I've got, you know, this amount of money. That was something that was weird. He had some savings, but he still wanted to prospect whatever. But I think it's got to be- Couple hundred thousand dollars, yeah, right? I think, I think it's like five hundred thousand. 
I think they have 500,000 each. So if if Dobbs can get rid of the other two, he's got 1.5 million. That's pretty good. Nice chunk of change. Do you remember how much money was in Simple Plan? Uh, I don't remember. A couple mil, right? It's like a suitcase of cash or something. Shallow Grave is a suitcase of cash also. They blow it pretty quick. I think my math is way off. I came to about 4 million. Um, 4 million. Yeah, that was taking uh, 35. don't forget the movie uh, takes place in 1925. Right. Right, right. I was just saying uh, my math was $35,000 at $20 an ounce, which most oh, of the $20 coins were one ounce coins. So by that, that would bring in then, you know, multiply that by the uh, current rate of gold, which is somewhere around 2300 an ounce or so. I see what you're saying. That makes sense, actually. Maybe a mill or no, but if they 500K said, or something. Yeah, yeah. Just like, yeah. yeah. Three people. Something like that. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Um, also, yeah. this movie wasn't taking place in 1948. No, 1925. 25 was it? Oh, because yeah. oh, the first shot of the movie was on that board oh, where it was telling you. the uh, winners of the, the lottery. Right on. And then it was the year was. Mm, good call. I didn't look at I had to look at I Wikipedia. Think that was his clever way of doing a title card, like Tampico. Yeah, that was cool. I thought actually just Tampico was cool. Like as mm-hmm. a setting, like there's a lot of really interesting not a lot of stuff there. It was yeah. a great way to start the film. Okay. Um, yeah, let's get to it. We're going to rate this film, give it our final reviews. So, uh, Sean, I'm going to go to you first, but I see you're looking up gold prices. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wait for you. Or do oh, you no, no, wanna... you're fine. Um, so I'm going to give this three and a half out of five stars. Um I think <laughs> six. Yeah, three and a half out of five. Um, yeah, you know, it was a really enjoyable movie, some really good characters. Um, there were, like I said, I, I had some problems with the music. I had some um issues with uh um some of the um we'll say happy coincidences in the movie and some of the um things that were a little bit too convenient um but other than that i mean you know it's an enjoyable ride and it didn't seem to lag at all uh very dialogue heavy but it never felt like it was just spouting exposition at me it was always um engaging and kind of like moving things forward even if it was just characterizations forward it still had momentum to it regardless. So um, there was a good energy and it just felt like a fun movie all around. Would you watch it again? Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I would. It's certainly not going to be the first thing I throw on anytime soon. Um, but, you know, I, I again, I kind of still consider like, everything we do on this show is like eating vegetables. So like, these are the movies that I have not seen for kind of a reason. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been, it's not the genre of things that I enjoy in general. So yes, being kind of almost forced to watch it. Yes, I enjoyed it, but it's probably not something I'm going to pick off a shelf on a Sunday afternoon, if I'm being honest. Gotcha. Okay, uh, I'm going to go next. I think um, I really did enjoy this movie. I thought it was it was a fun ad- adventure in that weird sense. But um, I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10. Um, I think it's got a lot there. It's it's not just enjoyable. There's a really some great morals, a sto- you know, stories about human nature, about greed, about poverty, about friendship and loyalty and and tricking people, <laughs> conning people. <laughs> so, um 
I think there's a lot there, a lot of great themes, but overall, there's just some great characters. It's fun being around Humphrey Bogart. It's fun seeing him break bad. Um, It's fun listening to crazy old redneck Walter Houston um, and being with these guys. I think it's just like, that's a big thing for me is is being able to spend time and enjoy the time I'm spending with these characters. And um, I'm invested in them. So even like, like even I noticed in the beginning when they were digging for gold, I'm like, wow, I'm so excited. They're digging for gold. I'm like, we just watched this for 20 minutes. Why would I be excited? But I am, I'm invested in the characters. And I think that is a great thing because the beginning gives us that. The trials and tribulations in poverty, getting conned, it makes it all the rest of it kind of worthwhile. And I think this movie has a great foundation there. And, um, I think, yeah, it works on all those levels. So I would recommend it. I think it does work even for like a young audience. I think young people could watch this and and pretty much enjoy it. Um, there's some funny lines too. So yeah, eight out of 10. I think it's uh it's definitely a, a watch must watch. Ooh. Ram. <laughs> I, I, I give it, I give it eight and a half, eight and a half out of 10. Uh, and the reason is because I think I, it's sort of what I touched on at the beginning, which is that the, just the dramatization of greed is is done so well here and so so well rounded, and it mm. goes it goes de- a layer deeper than most movies like this go to that like we we're talking about that sort of mystical level. Like there's sort of that element of it that I I just think is is neat, um, and I love the direction. I think it's subdued in some spots, but then the. I do get a sense it's not high adventure, but I do get a sense this is like a grounded adventure. Like it's like a real adventure that people did go on in that right. time period. And all the dangers that were involved with that, like how do you live off of beans for like 10 months? <laughs> yeah. And like, you got know, the bandits are out and the federales will show up too late. And like, how many fucking beans did they have? I don't know. That's a good question. Where so do they get beans. these darn so beans? beans? I don't know. <laughs> Um, the performances I loved, I thought, you know, uh, this is one of Humphrey Bogart's best characters. He's uh, uh, best character, not being a detective. I think <laughs> is how I would put it. Um, and, uh, I, I just think, you know, I, cause I've, so I've tried to write, uh, I, I had a script that I, we almost got made and it was about greed in a certain way. And all the movies I watched, this is the one I kept going back to the most for research. And I was like, how did they pull that off? How did they do that? And so, I just think it's instrumental in that way for the way that they told the story and the message they were trying to get. So for that, I think it's sort of time. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a great story in general, watching someone go bad. You know, I think that's such a tough thing to portray, especially in, in a film. And there was a lot of stuff there where we could really follow that character along his path. I think that's something special. Yeah. Okay. Um, Sean. I did look up the uh, the gold. I was off on one of my factors. Uh, gold is currently trading at about uh, fourteen seventy five an ounce. So if we take the thirty five thousand dollars, divide that by twenty dollars an ounce per uh, if nineteen twenty prices, uh, that brings us to about two point five million each in today's dollars. Huh? If they'd go, if they'd kept the gold and not like cashed it in, yeah. Huh. I mean, it's, it seems That's right. I mean, because it, it was a treasure. That is a lot. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were making it seem like Is it worth it? Off. Would you go? Would you do this for? Fuck yeah. 2. Oh my million? God. He worked on a, on a, on a boat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For like 10 it was, months. Uh, yeah. It was an Alaskan fishing boat. Like oh, yeah, wow. this, has, this, that, this is nothing. All right. nice. <laughs> was, uh, you know, depending on who you're in the desert with, obviously. But, what if it was uh, us three? Oh yeah, I could take we got you guys this, if it came we down. We gotta carry this guy around. <laughs> this laggard. <laughs> I wouldn't be bad at first. <laughs> at first. I, I, you know, it depends upon how you know 
it plays out. Right. To me, well, that's the opposite. Uh, we went camping and he would know that I could barely hike in. But after a few months out there, I think I'd be okay. Yeah, you know. Maybe there's tigers oh. around. <laughs> that's right. Careful around me. Uh, okay, um, so let's recommend stuff. Do you guys have any movies you want to recommend? Any TV shows you're watching? Anything you want to recommend? Or you can plug uh, I, something, I, Graham. If you want to plug your stuff, you uh, anything going on? No, I can. I can say the movie I, so far. I think I've, I've mentioned it to you that my favorite movie of the year so far is Marriage Story. Uh, highly recommend it. Um, Marriage Story. Marriage Story. Noah Baumbach's new movie. Hmm. Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver having a very uplifting movie about getting a divorce. <laughs> uh, it's it starts opening scene divorce and it just gets worse from there. But uh, so well done. It's just it's lighthearted in moments. It's really heavy and emotional in moments. It's just a really great movie and incredible performances. I think it's going to get nominated for best picture, best screenplay, best actor, best actress. Hmm. Uh, best director. I think it's going to get all five of the big nominations because it's just, I just love it. Who's the main, is, is Adam Driver the main character? Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson are the couple and it sort of starts off as a two-hander and then it becomes more Adam Driver's story. And it's the best performance that he's ever given. He's good. That doesn't take much. No, he's really good. <laughs> it's true. I didn't love Kylo Ren. Didn't yeah, I didn't love I Kylo didn't, Ren. I, when it, I, going into this movie, I was like, I'm not an Adam Driver fan. Yeah. Out of the movie, I came out and I'm Adam Driver. Right on. Yeah. I saw that movie with him and um, uh, Bill Murray with the zombies and the whatnot. I was not one, impressed One cut at all. from the dead? So, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like once more for the dead or something like one, that. Yeah. One more dead. Right. But I, yeah, I saw a couple clips. It's just very deadpan-y kind yeah. of stuff. Uh, uh, way too meta and way up its own ass as a movie And I itself, haven't seen but, Girls, which supposedly is very good. Right. Um, but I, th I think he's okay as Kylo Ren, guys. Um, <laughs> let me just try. There's Fucking not a lot of great vader. actors in these. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I agree with that. He's just playing the part that gave him. I That's think, true. I think know? it was a badly part written. I don't blame him for it, but he's so whiny. Mm. That's the that. role. I agree. Which I think is he, weird. It is but, a role. But I want to go to Tashi Station to pick up power converters. Yeah, I guess there's... There's a, there's a legacy of wine yeah. in the, the galaxy. Yeah, it's part of the uh, fucking uh, Skywalker gene pool. That's true. That's <laughs> true. And Hayden Christensen wasn't much better. Yeah, either. fucking yeah. sand. He gets everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he's a whiny. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, other recommendations, Sean? You got anything? Uh, yeah, I'm going to recommend this uh, little show that you guys have probably never heard of. It's called The Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Star Wars. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, as most people are saying, it's the best Star Wars since the fucking original three. Um, I go since Rogue One. Since Rogue, I, I really like. I wasn't Rogue a big One. fan of Rogue uh -huh. One, but yeah, I I, I could see uh, Rogue One is probably one of the best of the the newer stuff mm -hmm. to come out. But yeah, I do think Mandalorian is just very well done in its simplicity. I will say, I really did not like the first. 20 or first 10 minutes of the first episode mm. i think it gave it the wrong flavor for everything else moving forward yeah just with that weird sort of comedic tone that it had mm. and then they like it seems like they drop that weird comedy for pretty much everything else mm -hmm. there's some fun elements and things mm -hmm. but nowhere yeah, near there's that, that there's like, not as kooky characters yeah, like that, was, that, that, blue that guy. first episode felt very right. like doctor who almost right, in its ridiculousness right, right. and everything else kind of calmed down but werner herzog <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't oh, yeah that, there's a little weight on that side <laughs> of the screen <laughs> yeah can werner just be in everything yes yeah please yeah you know narrate my life please did yeah. you hear what he said when they said they were going to do a fully CGI <laughs> Baby Yoda? Yeah. He was like, you cowards. <laughs> <laughs> he was a puppet. <laughs> he called it heartbreakingly beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's uh, right. Yeah, Mandalorian's a great one, though. That's my favorite show right now. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't want to love it. I wanted to hate it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it won me over. Yep. I, I didn't, I don't want to give Disney any more money. Exactly. Is what exactly. it comes down to. Um, the other movie, uh, the other thing I'm going to recommend is a movie, uh, Dark Water, uh, Dark Waters. Um, I keep wanting to call it Derek Waters, who, mm-hmm. with the uh, uh, drunk, history. drunk history guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, uh, this is a, a decent movie that is probably more important than it is good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's certainly a good movie and it's certainly worth watching. But I think it's just kind of one of those movies that like all Americans need to see just to be at least always aware of how horrible things are around us and how much we should not trust any fucking buddy. Mm. Just like this movie. Especially giant chemical companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the type of movie that'll make you want to go home and rip the carpeting out of your house. Right. Yikes. Literally. Is it, is it, is it this year's spotlight? Is it going to get yeah, all yeah. the awards? Yeah. I don't know if it's going to... It might not be awardy. Mm. Um, I don't know if it has that like critical sort of mm. appeal as much as Spotlight did, mm-hmm. um, but I I do think it's certainly worth watching. Do you think because of like Flint, Michigan type of stuff that it's going to catch on? It, like because it's political. I, I have no idea if that's what. It's that, that's the thing. Like I think that's what they wanted it to do. I, I just don't think it's as strong a movie in, in mm-hmm. of itself as a movie like Spotlight. Even if you don't care about kids getting raped by the church, it's mm-hmm. still a very good made solid movie whereas this like you know it's kind of all about how horrible these companies are and how the government's not going to do a damn thing to help you down with the government tell me about it i know i'm pleasing the crowd tread on me okay um i think that about does it let's uh let's recommend other podcasts we have wait you didn't recommend something Uh, mandalorian's (laughs) good i'm not watching Uh, much you know Eh, whatever joey refuses to go see movies i rewatch cheers nice you know Sorry, I'm watching old stuff. I, <laughs> I like old stuff. I don't know why. What do you have against Cheers, I have nothing, sir? I have nothing against Cheers. There's, <laughs> I, but there's just, I can't even keep up with this the yeah, amount of good content right now. And you're watching a, a sitcom with mm-hmm. a laugh track from the 80s. If, honestly, I really recommend the first season of Cheers at the very least, though. The first season of Cheers is fucking some of the best right. sitcom writing you will good. find. It is. And I've said it a number of times on this show, but that first season of Cheers is amazing as far as the way that they shot it in that, like, the entire season takes place in the bar, but they keep it fresh with new shots every fucking time. For sure. Sorry. I agree with you. I know lo- I love the first season. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. It made me realize Ted Danson's really great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also, Shelley Long is fucking charming mm-hmm. as well yep. in that movie. Mm-hmm. That movie, that show. Okay. So, anyways, I don't know why I'm obsessed with old stuff. I apologize. I'll watch Fleabag. I got to watch well, other we, shit. We, we are on a podcast dedicated to movies <laughs> I know, before the 1960s. I know. I got issues, guys. That's, <laughs> that's clear. Okay. So, make sure to listen to our other podcasts, though. We have Text Before Calling, Paula Tinkering, Going Down on South Park, Literally Literary. Wild, 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 wild West World. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously this one, Celluloid Breakdown. So make sure to subscribe. I would also appreciate if you gave us five stars, tell a friend. Tell an enemy. You could also uh, give us some money on Patreon. We would appreciate that. It would pay for some of the food we, we eat. Patreon.com slash Fawcast, F-A-U-C-A-S-T, or Fawcast.com. You can also check out the store at Fawcast.com slash shop. Check out the mugs and the shirts and the skirts and all sorts of crap with our logo on it and uh, help us fund this crap every week-ish. Uh, my Twitter is J-O-E-B-O-N-I-E-R. Graham, you want to throw out an Instagram or Twitter? Instagram. That's right. <laughs> yes. I know. I love it. That's fantastic. It is I-N-S-T-A-G-R-A-H-A-M 360. Wow, you got really deep there. Very Thank white. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. 
check out his Instagram, slide into his DMs. Or don't, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening, uh, and thank you, Graham, again for coming. It was really thank fun. Thank you for having me. Uh, I love, I love, I love this podcast. I love you guys. Thank you. It's, it's happy times. Welcome Sweet. anytime. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. That about does it. Bye. We can wait till it Adios. ends, I guess. But yeah. I just kind of want to sit here. All right. Chihuahua. Caramba. Stew. Pumps. Oh, right. Compose this. This is a long you? song. What? Who's going to post it? Did you compose it? Oh, no, no, I did not. This um, is by Dar- Darryl Darren Sprouls. Darren Sprouls. Yes. I always fuck uh, up his name. <laughs> He's very good. Darren's Jowls. Yeah. All of the uh, music from TBC as well. So, uh, yep. Check out all our shows and uh, toodles. Yep. Where's the thing? Hit the thing. Stop. Get away.